Alright, it's the segment we're all looking for. It's called Thrill Me, where we discuss horror milfs. Horror milfs? Horror milfs! <laughs> the, whole, oh, the whole podcast yay. changed. <laughs> horror movies and thrillers. Oh, and, uh, this sucks now. <laughs> we're going to scrap the whole thing. Uh, it is movies starting in 1980, normally. But this episode's a little bit different because there's a movie from 1981 that I really love. And it reminded me of another movie that's from actually 1979. So this is probably the only time we'll go back. Um, maybe Hills Have Eyes. That in the remake. We'll see. But uh, the first movie we're discussing is one I accidentally you know, kind of just like stumbled across. It had, well, it had been on my radar years ago when it first hit DVD. But uh, Tourist Trap was kind of forgotten. And someone had mentioned it. And I was like, oh, i got to find that. And I just kept forgetting and forgetting and forgetting. I found it on Tubi. And yes, you had to sit the commercials, but it's free. And I absolutely love this movie. Um, and what's weird is I actually didn't get any ads, so I don't know. Oh, that's, oh, that's good then. Uh, yeah, I think maybe it's good to promote the new edition of it. It's coming out next month. It is the uncut edition because the original version is PG, shockingly enough, because there's some stuff in here that seems like it would be R. Um, basic plot line is a bunch of kids are on a road trip. Something wrong with the tire. They go to uh, uh, the local uh, the tourist establishment where it's like wax figures and stuff like that. And one of their friends goes missing, so they go hunt for him. And they run into Chuck Connors, who is uh, the run who is running the establishment, but his crazy brother is also there. And uh, yeah, the kids start getting wiped out one by one and becoming wax figures. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really, really good movie from a director who has never hit that level again. Maybe the best movie from uh, Charles Band, known for doing Full Moon Productions and Empire. Most of his stuff is really hokey garbage. Um, fun sometimes, but hokey. I thought Taurus Trap was legit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would, the music is really bad in the movie, though. That really distracts. Wow, I actually kind of liked it. Uh, Pino DiNaggio, the Italian uh, musician who did the music for Piranha and Howling, uh, came oh. in to do this one. Um, it's a very oddball soundtrack. It's not really meant to scare you. It's just kind of unsettling. And well, it just, it just it didn't feel like it fit what was happening. I felt like I was getting contradictory sorts of tones, but not in a way that I felt was interesting. It just seemed like stock music to me. Yeah, well, I'll say this. He might have phoned it in because looking at the Wikipedia on this, he was not originally hired to do the music. Uh, the director, David Schmoller, had uh, found out that he was currently doing music for Piranha and went over and smoothed him, convinced him because he both he spoke Spanish and so did Pino and uh, just kind of got him to do it. So he could have been like, yeah, sure, I'll do your little movie, whatever, pay me. Mm -hmm. and just, yeah, he could have phoned it in. I don't know. Um yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't as noticeable the, the more the movie went on. It just like at first it was really distracting when the guy was rolling the tire into the station. Yeah. For whatever reason, that scene or the music in that scene just like really bothered me. But after a while, I didn't even really notice it. The uh, originally offered to John Carpenter, but budgetary and uh, uh, paydays were not as high as he wanted them to be, so he moved on to go do The Fog, which we discussed, I believe, in our first episode of Thrilling. Um, and is the set design, if it's unnerving and weird, it's because the guy also did Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Hills Have Eyes. So he has an eye for backwoods freakiness. Yeah, 
Wait, are you doing Jurist Track with Toby Hooper? No, it's the production designer. Oh, production designer, okay. Yeah, so it has a similar look mm-hmm. as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I feel like it was obviously influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I feel like David Schmuller saw that and said, hey, oh, we can do that. You know, it's five years later, but still, there's clearly an influence on this movie. Definitely, I can I can definitely see that. Especially the, the first kill scene, for whatever reason, just kind of gave me those vibes of, like, the very, the very close-up shot of the guy struggling um, gave me a very vibe. Yeah, well the fact that he's silent while that thing impales him and blood is just slowly pouring out the pipe I thought was scarier than him actually making a sound. Yeah, definitely. It's more unsettling when you're watching a horror movie, everything's tight, you're expecting a a death sound, but there's just silence. Yeah. It's a weird fucking movie. There's telekinetic powers. There's twins, but there's not twins. We're giving it away here, but... Yeah, there's a lot to give away. It's, it, it's a really bizarre, out-there movie. Yeah, and it's and all... It it's Chuck like Connors. The most, the most charming uh, serial killer I've ever seen. <laughs> well, you, you're probably right on that one. Um, so at first... And I've seen it a couple times now, but I was so thrown off when they do the flip. And now this is where I'm going to tell you that Chuck Connors is not a twin. He had a brother at one time, but he died, and then his brain kind of cracked and created a split personality. And so one is the nice, congenial Mr. Slauson, and the other one is the brother who wears the mask and talks like this the whole time and kills the kids. It's also weird, just to kind of show, just to kind of give an example of how charming this guy is. Um, I like we've seen these kinds of movies all the time. We know that the strange kind weirdo is probably the serial killer or whatever. But with, with this guy, I was just like, you know what? Maybe he isn't. He seems genuinely nice, and like he, he and he's kind of off-putting in these ways that make sense. Like he 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 doesn't try to like hide the fact that he has like really. Um, that he's kind of depressed or that he has, like, these really strong feelings about his family and his past and his fortune. And he seems genuine when he was trying to talk to uh, the main actress. Right. Uh, the main character in kind of almost like a passing of the torch in a weird way. Yeah, it's... So when he switches over to his brother, he just becomes obsessed with creating people, like, a wax people and and it's the the only thing that's a little off about this movie is they're not consistent in how they look some are straight up dummies some are wax figures some uh look somewhat realistic and there's one in there who looks 100 percent human they just pops his head off i'm like whoa the consistency he's not an animatronic you can't do that that's the only problem i really have with this movie yeah i do i like the idea especially with uh this character who can't let go of the past is making uh, mannequins, you know, the idea of preserving these people forever. Right. Is, uh, but it, it works as, like, again, this is the whole idea of a tourist trap. People come in to go see something on the side of the show because they're bored on a really long drive. And so that kind of works uh, for, like, reasons for people to go there. And it also works just on, like, on the psychological level of who this person is. Right. Yeah, because at one time his business was successful, but the highway got built and it took the traffic off of that road. So now he's just barely surviving. That's also the reason why he can kidnap these people and and turn them into wax figures is because it's just off in the middle of nowhere and no one finds him. No one goes searching for him and he just keeps it up. And, And 
there is no real help. There's no cops coming. There's no city people. This is these kids just desperate to try to save their save each other and themselves. Yeah, clearly someone has thought about this movie. This isn't just like something that someone threw together because, like, oh, you know, we put in five hundred thousand, we make a couple million, and then you know, they, just, they would just pocket the profits, and that's it. Like, there's someone that had an idea and a vision. Yeah, and it's. It's really up to Chuck Connors. His performance is what makes this movie, and I think one of the scariest fucking things I've ever seen in a movie is when he captures the one girl, tires to the table, our friend is watching and explaining to her slowly and calmly what's going to happen, how you are going to die. That was creepy as shit. Yeah, and then, like, talking to her as it's happening, like, oh, can you feel it now? you feel it in your nose? Like, oh, so yeah, your lungs are gonna explode. You oh, you'll die from fear first before the suffocation. It's just yeah, yeah. And and I, you're right. I honestly, for most of the movie, thought there was two brothers. He does such a good job of splitting up those performances. And I was like, well, if he's supposed to be a twin brother, that is easier to pull off. And then he's like, oh no, I killed my brother in the act of passion or whatever. He was sleeping with my wife, and this is how I deal. That, that part was, a, it was strangely lucid for that moment. Yeah. But watching her crack at the end, I mean, just completely break, that was fascinating. It, that it was another thing that kind of reminded me of the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I have an answer for that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a fantastic movie. You can find it free on Tubi. Like I said, the Blu-ray comes out next month with the uncut footage. It is really cheap, too. It's like twelve ninety nine. So, yeah, and, and for people who are off put by the opening like me, it does get much better, especially when Connors is introduced into the movie. That's when it starts getting really good. A lot of it is atmosphere, too. So the similarities, of course, is Toby Hooper's movie is Funhouse, which is also kind of like a tourist attraction thing, but different setting. Clearly, Tourist Trap was influenced by Toby Hooper's work. But also, there's a thing in both movies where they do like a slow pan around with credits where there's just lots of unnerving laughing and, and just... Carnivals freak me out. There's something about them. That, and I'm not talking about your state fair bullshit. I'm talking your old school carnivals with strippers, you know, uh, and, and freak shows and stuff like that. That is I freaky. was just going to say, what kind of like state park... Because I, I thought it was like some kind of like state park yeah this is the kind of shit that probably happens i think it is filmed in florida it seems like the kind of stuff that would happen in like a backwoods town on the edge you know it, it, nothing uh you know with a city permit <laughs> yeah and, a really interesting detail i noticed about these areas i mean obviously there are like these holes cut out in some of the tents See, I thought, because the, the whole, hold on, may I actually just, uh, describe it real quick. Uh, so it is about just a bunch of teenagers that go to a carnival, and they decide they're going to stay overnight, and they witness a murder, and then they're hunted through the, the shutdown uh, funhouse for the rest of the movie. But there's a scene earlier where they're kind of building the atmosphere of what kind of weirdness happens in the carnival, 
and they go to a strip uh, stripper tent, and there's a hole that they cut into it. You can see there's tape throughout the whole thing. And I had just assumed this is from years of people trying to cheat, you know, not pay to get in. They just cut a hole in there, and they're constantly just taping it up over and over over the years. Yeah, I mean, for for the burlesque show, it's probably just random people. But I mean, like even in the um, like uh, her, the, um, okay. So remember the scene where the guy in the Frankenstein mask uh, goes in, basically like trying to sleep with one of the strippers. Right. Um, oh, I actually thought that was the gypsy like, lady, wasn't it? Or or gypsy lady? Yeah, yeah. yeah she's the fortune teller. It, it, in that office where she is, there there's another hole in the side of the wall. Oh. Like perfectly circular cut at eye level. And that's, that's all I'm talking There's like stuff like that that he was probably like watching her for a while. Yeah. So it should like make it that much more creepy. Well, the whole movie seems to have this thing about voyeurism. It starts off with the brother in the beginning yeah, of the movie. The kids, the kids are on. Oh, sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, and so the little brother in the beginning of the movie pretending to be like a Jason-style killer. He goes in the shower and stabs his sister with a rubber knife. So that's him looking in on her. Uh, then there's them watching in a tent, then watching the murder from the ceiling. And you're like, in the guy in the Frankenstein costume is constantly watching people. But even like throughout the movie, it's always about people watching people. And that's yeah. like the sub message is be careful what you look at because it may cost your life. Yeah. And yeah, I... I love this movie. I have been meaning to watch it for a long time. I'm glad I got it. Yeah, it's it's Toby Hooper's first shot at a studio film. He got hired by Universal to do it. They put a decent amount of money behind it. It wasn't a huge hit, but critics actually liked it. And Spielberg saw it, and that's how he ended up getting offered, oddly enough, E.T. But he couldn't Wait. do E.T., so he went off to go do um, Poltergeist the next year. Yeah, yeah. and for a studio-type horror movie, has uh, a lot of emotion in it that I did not expect. Yeah. Especially between like the, the Frankenstein, uh, the guy dressed up as Frankenstein, who, uh, spoiler, I just thought we're already, we talked about spoilers. Yeah. But it's like some kind of weird monster alien thing. Well, he, I, I assume that he's a twin. They absorbed each other because his face is like split in the middle like he absorbed the other. It's the, truly the stuff of nightmares. The first time I saw this, I almost threw up. Rick Baker created this costume, and it is truly, truly nightmarish. Uh, I mean, it's not just the fact it looks weird. It, he covers it in, like, this slimy goo, and it's just, oh, and the scream, because he can't talk. Holy fuck. Yeah, it, it, it is disturbing and, and creepy, but it's so interesting that one of the people, I guess, who, who's the guy that, um, that kind of looks after him? Is the one that hosts the, the, the scary ride or whatever? Yeah, Kevin, I want to say his name's Kevin... Conroy, Conway, Kevin Conway, and it's weird because he plays three different Barkers. They're like, this seems like an old world, maybe Eastern European kind of thing, and then they brought it to America like a hundred years uh, earlier, and it's just been going through the family line this whole time. So you have these triplet brothers. One is taking care of the guy, the Frankenstein outfit. You have one is doing the strip club. You have one doing, you know, just all three different places. It seems like it's very inbred kind of generations old carnival. And the uh, the, the person that's kind of protecting Frankenstein dude, uh, it, it it cares very much about him and is willing to kill other people to protect him. And yeah. it, it has like this weird sentimentality to it that you wouldn't. Is that his son? Do I keep missing. I've seen this movie numerous times. I keep forgetting. Like my my brain. This is my brain. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know if they did explain this, and I just wasn't paying attention at the time. I thought that he was an alien. He he had like this otherworldly like vibe, the scream, uh, the shape of his head, just kind of gave and the, the the wetness of his body kind of gave me like alien vibe. I never ever thought of that. I just thought he was like an inbred mutant. But you're right. There's nothing really. Well, he's a humanoid figure, but there's nothing yeah. in his face that says human. Yeah, that, exactly. There's nothing uh, other than the fact that he has emotions. Like he. he but oh, he, and he, apparently can I, get a boner. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that is yeah. It, it is interesting. See, because he's kind of a creature in a way. Maybe he's human. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, he was an alien, but like that to like, like get too excited and accidentally kill somebody uh, and then feel bad about it. And, and, and then having to kill another person to protect his secret, I, like, I, to me, I feel like sense that there was this hesitation to that. Yeah. Like, he'd be, like, talked into it. Um, he does seem like, yeah, down. he's just distraught and he's easily talked into things. It's a little bit like Of Mice and Men, except uh, Lenny, was it Lenny and... Shit. What is the other character in Of Mice and Men? Uh, George. Lenny and George... If it had been different, instead of uh, George having to kill Lenny, that uh, he decided to hide that body <laughs> and go on more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's not like... It is a little bit of a cliche where the main characters, the heroes in quotation marks, are heroic. A lot of times, it's uh, they turn out to be assholes, and that's why we sometimes we root for the monster. In this, I think they do a decent balance... I mean, kids are being kids. So sometimes they're stupid yeah. and make bad choices. I, mean, I wouldn't, I, yeah, but you wouldn't go as far as to say that the main like characters are heroes of the story. No, they're just survive. They're just uh, just trying to survive. But I'm saying like it's either and or in these movies. They're either assholes who you root for them to die, or they're the pure of heart and you know they're going to live. And in this one, it's just kind of it's an odd balance. It's not obvious yeah. who's going to survive. Yeah, it, it just it it just feels like an uncomfortable situation that was unavoidable and like what do we do about it now yeah it just makes it more intense the uh uh the end sequence i think is not just the fact it's truly like gory and shocking but i think the way that toby hooper filmed it uh he gave it a lot more atmosphere you can see there's a bigger budget than in his previous films like eaten alive and texas chainsaw massacre it is a shame that his career was undone by three flops right in a row, which we're going to discuss eventually. I can't wait to discuss Life Force. Um, oh, my God. I'm, I'm so excited for Life Force. I have the director's cut, and I'm going to have to figure out how to get it to you because it makes so much more sense. It's still crazy, but it makes a lot more sense. Um, but I say a high recommendation for both of these films. Absolutely. For me, I, I mean, if you're, if you're going to just watch one, I would say Fun House stuff. All right, so the next ones we're going to discuss is Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, maybe the greatest TV movie of all time, and it's scary, and it's just so well made. Um, and also, I would love to, for you to finally see the Hitchcockian influence movie with Jamie Lee Curtis and Stacey Keach called Road Games. It's set in Australia, and it's fucking awesome. Road Games? Yep, it's about a serial killer who uh, is being stalked by a guy who wants to... St who's just bored. He's a, he's a truck driver on a highway, and he's bored. And so for his own entertainment, he uh, follows him around until, oh, I don't know, the killer decides to play games with him too. Ooh, that sounds really good. It is really, it's unbelievably good. So that will be our next episode. Uh, Kersey, thank you very much for uh, this one. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I, uh, I, it's a rare treat that both movies that we watch are actually really good.
And they were first-time watches for you. Exactly. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Check us out on Facebook under uh, Hit Rewind, and uh, that's it. Again, let's just blend it all together. Now, okay, I have to ask this. Did you unintentionally try to do a George Takai slash Darth Vader impression? Because it very, very sounded very pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I have to, like, uh, okay, so if in order to do Takai, I have to kind of make it so, number one. Oh, kind of like, uh, oh, yeah, like, you have to have someone say, make it so, number one. Oh, oh, full speed ahead, Captain. Yours is much. Yours is more Takai. Mine's just like a random up there, tentative kind of guy. No, but for a while. Yeah, you're you, you're the red shirt guy. You probably saw <laughs> the video that I shot. I should probably share it on. Um, when I complete dark, gravelly, like British dark, like I'm, and then it kind of switched over to um, uh, a narration for Law and Order. And, like I was just talking for a while. I couldn't do anything else. <laughs> if I tried to go higher than this, my voice would completely shut off. It was just like, and so. I, Like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to oh, go God. in chronological order on this one, um, not in preference or how we saw them, because, uh, of course, I, I, we saw the Rings first, or The Hobbit. Um, but I didn't realize until this moment right now that the animated Hobbit was actually a year before uh, Ralph Bakshi. The, um, okay, so live-action-wise, of course, we saw the Lord of the Rings movies first. Um, animated versions, Hobbit first, Lord of the Kings. Just start off with uh, The Hobbit. It's the only way to go about this. Of course. Okay. Now, 
Um, as as a kid, like I always like just uh, read the book at home. You know, I well, no, 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 no. I did actually no, 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 wait, no. First it was we saw I saw Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring. Then I got the book The Hobbit because it took place before that. And then it uh yeah, it turns out yeah there was an animated movie that we saw when we were little kids that even heck even my dad mentioned he saw it when he was a little kid. Wow. And that's how we kind of get him. That was in 77. Wasn't that little, was he? Oh, no. No, my dad graduated high school in 77, in June. Yeah. Well, sometimes when you yeah, refer so, yourself as a kid, you still, like, you include your high school and college. Pretty much, yeah. At this age. At that age, yeah, you're like, oh, you're just still a kid. All Especially right. at heart. Um, so, The Hobbits. Uh, I had seen a rerun, probably around 84, on my local, like, pre-Fox. You know when there was UHF station affiliated and WB Fox? You know, there's this kind of station that was, like, yeah. low-budget. You know, they licensed where they could. Uh, and I remember they had bought the package for all those animated specials you invested. And right after Christmas, The Hobbit. And I had only seen the last quarter of the hell that I just watched. That was kind of cool. And uh, I would catch it later, but meantime, I think fourth or fifth grade that we read The Hobbit. I don't think it was required to show that one. I read that, and that was a fairly easy read. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm bummed. Once I found out there was going to be a Lord of the movies, um, <laughs> yeah, I never, I didn't read the books. I tried. I got about maybe a few pages into the book, and they're super dense. And if you can get into that kind of stuff, like the way it is with King books, more power to I'm a literate baboon. So I just read comic books all day that are really, I mean, not even like dense comics. It's not like the sand swamp oh, thing. Wow, I'm talking yeah, like real sense. It's like, I want to see people punch each other in the face. I want to see the new warriors beat, <laughs> try and tangle with Juggernaut and help out Thor. That's all I wanted to see. I just, I don't have the attention span for this kind of stuff. So I, um, I put the books away. My sister was like, no, read them. They're so good. I'm like, I just discovered there's a version at the video store. I'm going to go rent that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that's when I discovered the Bakshi version. Um, so here's the thing is, I'm torn because uh, I don't particularly care for the animation style. The hand-drawn in of Rankin-Bass. I love their claymation. Not really on board. And, and it might be problematic because I've seen mm. what Bakshi can do with animation, even though it's still like you know cutting quarters and you know budget restrictions. Not a huge fan of the animation. Do you like the Rankin-Bass style? Not necessarily. I thought everybody, uh, well, as far as the uh, character design, man, they all kind of... Like, the dwarves all kind of looked the same. Like, there was no real diversity among them. And it, all the, yeah, everybody, even Bilbo kind of looked weird. They all, they all, they all looked like freaking weird to me. They all looked like nutsacks, some big old gonaders. <laughs> exactly. I did not like, uh, like I said, I did not like the character design at all. Uh, the costume of the characters, though, that was pretty on point. But, like, you know, their facial expressions, you know, how they looked. I just thought it was just so, like, sloppy and bland. Especially Gandalf. Okay, so I'm like, uh, I mean, I'm looking, uh, or no, the Wood Elves and like Gandalf, I had the most problem with Gandalf, like having that big old stupid pointy old wizard hat that you'd see, like you know from um, Sword in the Stone, like Merlin's. But um, I was like, but the way, uh, when, and then seeing uh, Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, that's the one that set the standard for what hat Gandalf should wear. Honestly, like you know, nice big round brim, little sash in between, and a nice big pointy hat instead of just some. Boring old cone. The uh, the the cliche. What what someone makes a friend You know that kind of on the hat. Yeah. And you can tell yeah. my voice still hasn't come. It's usually higher than kind of gravelly, but you just have to it's, do it. It sounds good. Yeah. Uh, here's something funny is when I'm looking up the while Rankin Bass, of course, itself was actually the top craft out of Japan, which later when they went bankrupt and they started to spill up and firing up the staff, 
I'm not going to say the right name right. You're gonna all, your brains are going to explode. Uh, Hio Miyazaki. I know the name. Um, and business partners. Hio Miyazaki, yeah. Yeah, and they bought it and turned it. I said that wrong, too. <laughs> Ghibli, Ghibli. Ghibli. Yeah, hey, still good enough. You're doing good, kid. Relax, <laughs> it's just your voice. Um, and then the animators that they had fired off um, did, created their own animation show, Pacific Animation Corporation, that would do further shows for Rankin Bass, Thundercats, and Silverhawk. I forgot that Rankin Bass was even involved in them. I wonder if they were responsible for Tiger Sharks. Oh, um, wow. You know, looking back at the, like, you know, how Smog looked in The Hobbit, yeah. although I, I didn't think he looked like a dragon, he looked like a fucking dog. I thought it was stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it did look like he did kind of have that mane of a Thundercat. That makes a lot of sense, and you know, the plus, like as far as like how how the animation flowed, it it did seem like something out of Thundercats or Silverhawks. Yeah, the, the final actions be well done. I think it's the animated blood for some of the child. I was like being off about that. It was like the most PG, like oh everybody's just like cut up and sliced up and beat up, you know, like not like the live action version. They're like really tame. They're just, oh, he's slightly red. Yeah, just slightly, ever so slightly, and purple. Let's get a dash of purple to show some bruising. You know, because it's a kid's movie. We don't want to scare them too much. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking at the voice cast here. Do you recognize it? No, but I recognize the voice of Thorin. Uh, Thorin, I could tell, was Captain Hook from Peter Pan. Oh, Hans Conried. I don't know who that is. I'm looking at the other names, though. Orson. Now, I guess he's very well-known stage actor. The only thing I know is this show with John Goodman called Normal Ohio. And at the time, it was groundbreaking uh, because John Goodman, his character was gay, and I guess that had never been done before on a network where the main character was homosexual. Oh gosh, yeah, I bet I bet people in the South and pretty much every conservative family was flipping out and having that show canceled. Oh yeah, I think it lasted like seventeen episodes. Um, it was actually pretty deep, but I do remember like by the time uh, episode thirteen rolled around, they really had a down sexuality, and I was like, why even bother doing the show? What's the point if you're gonna do? Uh, uh, other voice work: Richard Boone as Smog. Uh, Richard is known as the In Have Gun Will Travel. He played Paladin in, in one of the coolest damn westerns I think ever made. Have you ever seen Have Gun Will Travel? No, but it sounds familiar. Uh, I think my dad's seen it. Yeah. Oh, I know he has to have seen it. He's like a mercenary. And he just goes around doing these crazy, you know, hunting people down that are super dangerous. And nothing, nothing makes it makes him nervous. And then shakes him just cold blooded. Cold blooded. <laughs> All right, as Gandalf. I'm sorry, I just thought of Rick James. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn um, you, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> you were go a bit Love you, Dave Chappelle. Corner there. Um, John Huston oh, yeah. plays Gandalf. John Huston, of course, famous director, father of, and, um, uh, shit, what's the son's name? Um, he's the bad guy in 30 Days of Night. You know, he's an X-Men Wolverine. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was in Origins Wolverine. Uh, not, was it Nolan? I want to say his last name was Nolan. Yeah. No, 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 no. His first name, sorry, the first name is in question. Last name's. I know his son's name is Jack Houston. Jack Houston. Boardwalk Danny Houston. Danny, thank you. Uh, Jack Houston is the star of the new Ben Hur. Um, so you're talking like three or more uh, generations of actors. But John Houston, to me, uh, unbelievable. But um, people might remember him. Loggy, a final Planet of the Year, the very last one. Uh, he's only in it for a few oh. minutes. May. He's got one of those. Hmm. I'll definitely have to look him up. Although, wait, who? Wait, did you just mention the new Ben Hur? Yeah, there's a new Ben Hur, which was a huge flop, I guess, here in America. It did okay overseas, but Jack Hughes' grandson. Okay, yeah, no, I honestly, I didn't even know there was a new Ben Hur out. It must have done that bad. Yeah, I made, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Or something, yeah. um, it's from the director of oh, Wanted, God. Wanted and um, Vampire Hunter. Oh, well, shit, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. <laughs> um, other names in here. No, I, no, I'm glad I didn't. 
Yeah, Otto Preminger is the Elven King. Otto Preminger was actually a very well-known... I didn't know he was much of an actor. It kind of surprised me. Uh, another name you're going to recognize is Paul Fries, one of my favorites of the seven. Um, everybody talks about Mel Blanc, but uh, it's probably another full of actors. He did a lot of Annenberg during this time. Paul Fries, I think most people know Boris and Natasha. He did a lot of... Yeah, no, I, you know, for the longest time, I thought Leonard Nimoy was the one who did Gandalf because it sounded so similar to him. But no, now that you mentioned that it was uh, Angelica Houston's father, Jack Houston. Yeah, no, no, uh, John Houston. John, Jack, well, they both start with a J. Okay, what is up with that? I've always been curious. Why is people... Jack the off. Name, well, the first name was John, <laughs> and then their nickname would be Jack. Like, John F. Kennedy's name was Jack. I don't understand. It would be Johnny, or Juh, or J. Uh, why Jack? John, <laughs> Jacob, Jingleheimer, Schmidt. His name is my name, too. God fucking damn it! <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? Anyway. <laughs> damn you, nursery rhyme. Hey, have anyway. you seen The Last Unicorn? So, I didn't realize the guys who... Everybody who worked on this movie worked on The Last Unicorn. I've heard it's really great, but I've never seen it. Uh, it's on Netflix, I'm sure. Mm. I'll, have to look it, I'll have to look it up. Um, but yes, as far as it goes for the Rankin-Bass movie, yeah, you know, The Hobbit I always found, like, you know, lighthearted and kind of fun. Almost traditional kind of fantasy. And then it got to real... Oh, as far as the Goblins design goes, like I said, they looked like a bunch of miniature little uh, uh, bulldogs. Yeah. I thought they were, again, back to character design, they just kind of sucked. And then there's that one big old one that was about to eat Thorin until Gandalf showed up and fucked shit up. Now, <laughs> as, okay, then it got to Riddles in the Dark. That scene was quite cre- even as a kid, Yeah, like watching that scene with Gollum, pretty creepy. Especially the last two lines he says at the end, you know, you know the way he just pronounced and shouted, you know, Thief Baggins, we hates it forever. Would kind of give you chills. I think everything with him. Everybody jokes about, you know, like he's become kind of a romantic. My precious. I can't do the voice at all now because I've just changed. Um, you can My precious. Perfect. My precious. Motherfucker, I'm on crack. But he's a really terrifying <laughs> character. That's truly disturbing about him. I think even more than any other villain, all these... Um, I really yeah. think that he's just something like it's the loss of he was a person, a normal person, but he's so twisted and everything's gone now. And he's just like besides just he, being kinda gross, you eat hobbits. Yeah, no, he straight up became a cannibal. That he like I said, he was coming off he's done nothing but crack for the past like what, few hundred years. Terrible. He's a total crackhead. <laughs> that's what the ring is to him, it's crack. Well, it's amazing. It's crack cocaine. Um, because, you know, The Hobbit, of course, in book version, also it's not first. And what I've noticed <laughs> is, you know, um, Bilbo uses the ring over and over invisible. And it doesn't seem yeah. to have the same sway, this pull on it, the way it does with Frodo and everybody else in Trilogy. Do you think that he even no. contemplated that, The Hobbit, or did I miss that? Because I feel like he even mentioned the possibility of the ring corruption. Yeah, no, no, no. They don't do that in the cartoons. Uh-uh, no, because... After all, like, Sauron's soul is, like, you know, still asleep. He only, like, wake. I guess it uh, finds out that he's, uh, he wakes up way later during Lord of the Rings. But in the live-action version, they do kind of show that where Bilbo does kind of have an obsession with it. Huh. In uh, Desolation of the Smog in particular, like, when he has his ring, he kills off a few spiders, then he fights that worm thing, and it t- almost takes the ring, and he gets all angry, and then he grabs it and says, Mine. Oh, yeah, you know what, I told you oh. about that. So I guess he kind of hints at that, but I wonder if that was part of his, um, if that was something that he had in Possibly, mind to work out yeah. later, but, or, or it was just a one-off thing, and then later when he's, he's like, you know, this became like an obsession. Yeah, 
Exactly. I mean, that's that is exactly what I think it it was done, especially like when you read the books or like see in the movie, you know, the ring has awoken. It heard its master's call. Like, you know, the ring's just like, you know, the part of uh, I I'm trying to explain it, but I try not to sound stupid at the same time. No, there's somebody at home right now just flipping out. How do you not get the parable? What does it all mean? I'm pretty sure, like the ring, like I said, the ring has its own, has its own will, and it's like, uh, you know, just bounce around. It's like, you know, where, going wherever it feels like, you know. Even at the beginning of the Lord of the Rings uh, film, you know, it abandoned Gollum. It's like, oh god, I'm bored with you, Gollum. I can't stand you anymore. Well, it's kind of like it's yeah, basically. I, I think about it like oh, really? it's Venom in the Spider-Man comics. Oh yeah, the symbiote. It can't go to anyone else except Eddie Brock, and Eddie but Brock can't live without it because he's had it for so long. It does. It goes to oh. other people times, right? I think it eventually made it its way. You know, I, I, I haven't paid attention to the comics too much, but I feel like uh, Eddie Brock's dead and then went over to someone else, and now it's for good because he's part of the Guardian of the Galaxy. But I also heard that, like, the symbiote reunited with Eddie Brock, so Eddie Brock's still dead, which is horrifying because now he's just feasting off like a zombified body. <laughs> yeah. Or actually, I like to prefer the ring, like, someone who's, like, taking a break from a huge relationship, you know. The ring's like, a, you know, well, Sauron's been dead, so this ring's trying to move on, you know. Got revenge on the guy that, you know, cut off, cut off Sauron's fingers. And then, you know, just, just kind of like, you know, took some time off for like hundreds of years. And then finally found Gollum. And it's like, okay, cool. Let's see how this works. So, then so 500 he, years later, it's like, all right, I'm done. He doesn't get in a relationship very often, but they're obsessive. And they just uh, consume you whole. And it's like, I got to be free. I got to be free. Oh, we are someone. You know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> same thing. Same cycle. I it's like, oh, hey, Bilbo. Hi. <laughs> and then 60, yeah, no, and then, uh, 60 years later. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, shoot, Sauron's back. My love, my one true love. I must go back to him. Now, um, yeah. which, the one thing that bugged me, and of course, um, I'm going to tell everybody right now, live-action Hobbits, you know that it took even get through the first I tried numerous times. I have no problem getting Lord of the Rings the Hobbit trilogy. I sat there during the first one. Oh, my God, watch this for an hour now, and nothing's happened. Why hasn't anything happened? And then yeah. I just stopped, and I decided to watch it a year later, and knocked down. I was like, oh, fucking God, everybody looks the same. And it's so slow. <laughs> all these people look the exact. I can't tell who's who. Mm. And all I do is sit around talking. Yeah. So eventually, okay, so last month, when I was horribly sick, I had all three movies. I forced myself through the first one. By the time I got maybe about three quarters of the way through the first one, I was like, hey, this is actually pretty good. I'm kind of digging this. Um, and then it's when I got to the second and third one. I was like, rock and roll time. Let's just, let's dig right in because I was, I was totally in by then. And I know that they padded the trilogy heavily um, with stuff from, like, the Similarian. Uh, you know, um, people, I feel like I'm Similarian, you got I'm, it. I'm on NyQuil. Um uh, you know, in other stories, you know, he was taking bits and bits of that to fill it in. But also, I did feel like sometimes it's uh, way too long. When he was smog, I felt like that scene should not have been as long. And I was like, shit, did pay uh, Benedict Cumberbatch a lot? And they're just trying to milk it for every penny they spent? Or, I don't understand, oh. why, why were all of them so long and I went 90 minutes long? And here's the weird thing is, there's the versions that I saw, and there's also the extended version out there. And I'm just like, no, no, no. Can't. Okay. No. I, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. I don't know why the first two movies were extended. It's extended enough as it is. The third one, I see justification for big time. Yeah, I actually have I, that. I could send you the digital. I could send you the digital uh, later. I have the I have the first I have the first movie, but I don't have the second. Um, but good God! Oh, I have I, those. Um, oh, shit! I got amnesia. Um, who's the star again? The one from the Office and Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide. 
Oh, Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. I absolutely adore his reaction. Um, say so much. He's got just one of those faces. It's like Bruce Campbell. Um, Bruce Campbell doesn't have to really say anything. He just has to react. To My, I just watched the first season, Ash vs. Dead. I'm, um, I know. It's so great. It's not as good as Army of Darkness, so I think I missed the fantasy. Uh, the gore elements are like, holy shit, and, but they're also kind of, there's so many of them, I'm starting to become a little numb to it. Um, yeah. but, but he has the same ability that Martin Freeman. Like, he just says so much without a single word coming out of his mouth. He's great in. I don't know a single other person uh, that's been added to the cast. Uh, I looked at the names. I go, that guy looks kind of familiar. I kind of know. Him. But um, oh no, wait. I know Evangeline's great. In, even part of the book, so he's padded in like um, uh, the way. Tamriel, uh, was uh, padded in. Yeah. Okay. She was not in the books. So that's what, so they. Do. I love Evangeline Lilly too. Um, I, why, the names are lost on me. Uh, her father's lead singer of uh, Aerosmith. Damn it. She's. Oh um. Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler. I was about to pull out my copy of Jersey Girl, which automatically negates my nerd factor. But you know what? I'm going to say I like Jersey Girl. <laughs> it's it's not like all edges. I do, too. I like Jersey Girl. It's just sweet. Um, I know. Plus, you know, Kevin Smith is a huge um, romantic comedy fan. Yeah, but anyway. He's sappy. Back to, back to The Hobbit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I felt like her character was padded. Cause I, felt, I was like, mm, well, it makes sense, you know, because, you know, girls might feel a little neglected if it's all boys. Um but I gotta tell you, once the elves start coming in, oh, holy crap. I mean, just watching Legolas fly around on top of Hobbit heads, he's, you know, because he's super light, and he's just sitting there tapping off their yeah. heads, shooting arrows, spinning around the air, taking out all these people. Yeah, the barrel's out of Bond scene. Oh, my yeah. God. That's one of the most amazing action sequences I've ever seen in my life. It's so well I know. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Well, as far as it goes for, okay, so as far as the animated movie for The Hobbit goes, you know... I like the little sing-alongs and the music. I'm so glad they did the um, uh, "That's What Bilbo Baggins Hates" song in the first movie. You know, when they're all sitting there eating, eating like you know, pretty much raiding Bilbo's pantry and just cleaning it out completely. Yeah, that was funny. Oh was my like, god, that's mine. <laughs> I would like to. Eat I know. That. I loved. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I really loved seeing you know the dwarven culture too on live action because you've only seen Gimli. That's it. That's all you see in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. This actually kind of explores it and goes further in. I will have to say, I mean, it didn't need to be pushed to three, but, you know, studios wanted to make a trilogy out of it and get more money. Yeah, yeah. But, again, the first two movies did not need to be extended. I mean, it's great seeing Gandalf's point of view, because, you know, it's not like that in the books, and we don't know what he was up to. He probably did uh, confer, you know, consult with the White Council, which was great. And then, of course, you know, tying it... (laughs) Oh, yes, of course. And then, like, you know, tying it in with Lord of the Rings about the return of Sauron and the Nazgul... Of course, you know, the Nine Riders of Mordor, the original Kings of Men. And uh, bringing in the character Radagast, that is something we should have seen in Lord of the Rings, the movie. But, of course, in Lord of the Rings, the books, like, you know, there's already so many characters and so many scenes. They they seem a little redundant, like, a little unnecessary, too much. So it kind of makes sense for, like, some characters not to show up in the films. But in The Hobbit, however... Okay. No, yes. No. Should I there? Should I go? No, no, no. I was just gonna ask you, who is the character that Luke Evans played? You know, Luke Evans was the bad guy in Fast Six. Uh, Dracula. And oh yes. He oh yeah. Luke Evans. I forgot. He was absolutely bad. He was probably padded as well, right? No, uh, I wouldn't say he was padded. They did go in depth with Lake Town, how it's run, but he no, he was definitely in the book. He was barred. He was uh, he was actually like you know, the head archer. He wasn't like a rebel or vega or you know, against you know. The mayor of Lake Town. Oh, okay. That they did. That they did pad in. I'll say that much. Although he and Bart, although Bard and the mayor didn't see eye to eye in the books, they 
weren't that against each other. Oh, did you notice that Stephen Colbert had a cameo? No. What? You know that guy who like uh, who, who's like looking around for Bard, then an eye, fl- then an eye patch flips down, and then he knocks on the door, and two kids run out. That was Stephen Colbert. No, realize that. Um, yeah. Who is the skeevy little guy who won't help at all, and he's always like running around? He dresses like a woman for a little while, and <laughs> ends up stealing all those gold gold coins. Oh gosh, I don't remember him from the books at all. Like I, I said, he was Al- Alfred. What's his name? I'm glad. I'm, I mean, I have to show you extended version of what happens to him. Oh, it's cool. pretty funny. Nice. I didn't realize it would uh, give him his comeuppance. I-, I will say this. By the time you get to the last movie, it kind of threw me for a loop because I didn't remember it in the book, and I definitely don't remember is when uh, the dwarves decide that they're defend the treasure no matter what. And, you know, the leader, uh, played by Richard Armitage, is kind of um, to yeah. the point where no. he's like, no reason whatsoever. Is- oh, exactly. No. In the book, well, in the books, no. It's all a matter of principle. And... Yeah, our, you know, Thorne does want the Arkenstone. You know, that's what he's looking for, for his treasure. It, it's a, you know, again, you know, proud, you know, like very proud and stubborn. He wants that stone to signify his um, claim to the throne. But like it happened in the movie, you know, Bilbo was the one who found it and kept it. And then, you know, used it as a, tried to use it as a bargaining tool for Thorne to reason. But, I don't, but Thorne went, never went that crazy in the books. Uh, however, I guess they wanted to add a little bit more depth. A little more drama. To uh, Thorne's character, yeah, uh, I, that was probably a studio decision because knowing Peter Jackson, he wanted to try and stay true to the books as much as possible, and he probably had to argue with the studios over it. Well, you know, it's funny. It, it seemed like he was left alone during Lord of the Rings. They were only spending, I think, but this one they're they're spending like two hundred something on each movie. And once those kind of numbers pick yeah. up, you know this. Okay, you've got to give us. Three. I, I know there's not enough. You figure it out. We want we want to make yeah. us happy. For I... you after. <laughs> Yeah, probably. I mean, hey, dude, Peter Jackson has already won, like, you know, Academy Award for Best Director and everything. He's already so, dude. He like created a masterpiece with masterpiece with Return of the King, which we'll get into later. Yeah. But like, when it comes to the the Hobbits, though, I, it does suck that they kind of made it drag out a bit. But I do enjoy the extended edition of um, the Battle of Five Armies. I mean, it did show like how Gandalf. It did show Gandalf, uh, you know, owning one of the three Elven rings. Because in the books, that's what's stated. He has the third uh, elven ring. Alrond has one. Galadriel has the other. And he has the other one. Not to be confused with the elvis ring. <laughs> I want that ring. I want, I want, I want elvis. I've lived a life at full. Here there, baby. My karate moves on you, orcs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also, again, like with the, again, with the animated movie, it did kind of annoy me how, like, they killed off like seven of the dwarves instead of just the three that were killed. Even in the books, only three were killed. Yeah, they, and that was the end of the movie. They started just hacking and slashing everybody up. You're like, oh, oh all right, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, it was finally great to see the dwar- a dwarven army in action because all we saw were elves and men in Return in the Lord of the Rings. What was up with the but one? Now, who looked finally, I'm kind of confused by that because everybody else looked kind of fugly. Um, but then there's one who's kind of adorable. Who did? And, and Evangeline falls in love with him. Oh, um. Killy, that was Killy. Why did he look so human? Yeah, or not? Yeah, I guess he. Well, the, well, what it was between uh, Philly and Killy, they're the youngest, and they haven't really grown into their novas or uh, facial stru- uh, facial structure yet. You know, this yeah, you read. but they all had chubby digits. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. 
dude, I was obsessed with this in middle school. My God, when it came to Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, oh my fucking God, I was an expert. I gotta tell you this, I was <laughs> off reading Conan the Barbarian. I was looked like crazy, like, um, they weren't anywhere nearly as dense as the rings, but I burned through them. Two hundred right. pages, you know, they're wild and crazy and definitely are rich. And full, yeah, and full of titties and sexual, and sexual things. And gore and blood, and just his yeah. descriptions. Robbie D. Howard is favorite writers, and I know yeah. he's not highbrow, and I don't care. Uh, okay, I, as far as it goes for um, the riddles in the dark, when it came to the live action movie, when it came to riddles in the dark, it met my expectations perfectly. Like everything that happened in the book was put onto the big screen, like the snapping of the buttons, trying to get to that little crack in the wall, yeah, trying to escape from Gollum and it's accidentally slipping on the ring. Then the big leap, taking pity on Gollum, you know, because you know Gollum's lost, he doesn't have the ring anymore, and he feels so vulnerable. Then, you know, you see that sad face, and then Bilbo's like, okay, I can't kill you. And then he hears Bilbo moving, and then you see his face turn ugly. I'm like, oh, God, there's the there's the hatred I have for Gollum. You fucking piece <laughs> of shit. I'm glad you died, Gollum. Well, but, yeah, no, it was – that oh, that scene was just perfect. Yeah, I loved I it. Say, the finale, the finale on the ice, going at it, you know. Uh, of course, it's kind of cool in Legolas is climbing those bricks as they, as they broke apart. Um, but that final total video game moment just did, on the ice is just nuts. I'm down for the count. No, by the way, played by the um, guy who plays Deathstroke on the second season of Arrow. On Manu Bennett, um, who is now taking over, I guess, the Death Race, um, a video series, the directed video line of Death Race. He's taking over as a lead. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I guess Luke Goss got tired of oh, doing it, awesome. or they just wanted to go with a change of pace. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. But, I mean, Manu Bennett, I think he's also going to be in the next uh, Magic Mike. There might, I think there's, like, sequel of doing it. I think there are talks of doing a third one. Wow, the second and one didn't do very well. I think, but, you, know, you know, I'm not so, like, homophobic, manly. I'm not one of those kind of guys. I'll watch Magic Mike. I just haven't got around to do it. I, um, I think Steven Soderbergh's a great director. I think that um, he probably did a great job with it. I, I, I might as well just watch it. I'm, I'm very um, confident in my sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh, yeah, because I, I know he made a joke uh, because Joe Manganiello is going to be playing Deathstroke in the live-action Ben Affleck Batman movie. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. And um, I think they might be switching places. I mean, the, Manu Bennett did a great job in the TV show, but at the same time, you know, the TV show is just really dropping because it's un- so much unnecessary drama. It's not getting lighthearted like it should be. Yeah, you know, I've only made it anyway. through I've made, made through the first chunk of scene three, and I just don't, I'm not interested in going back. I'm like, I want to watch The Flash because that's where it's at. Oh, definitely. <laughs> anyway, back to the Hobbit. Now, when it came down to um, now, when it came down to the five armies, I mean, between you know, live action and animated, animated, it was just very brief. There really wasn't much to it. And of course, in the animated movie, you know, Bilbo, he just was like, you know, screw this, and he just hides with the ring. But in the books and in the films, you know, Bilbo, Bilbo says, "Oh, look, the eagles are coming," and then he gets knocked out. Yeah. Uh, were you surprised when Billy Connolly was the other dwarf leader? Oh, Dane, his yeah. uh, Thorn's cousin. See, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I was names. like, oh, shoot. I'm, I'm, I'm not. My nerd card should be because I can hardly remember. Yeah, Billy Connolly. Oh, he's a you know been in a bunch of movies. Also, quite a well known comedian. And and uh, yeah, I was a bit surprised too. I was like, oh shoot, of all the people to get. <laughs> but still, it's very fitting. And honestly, that battle scene it was much better. Exp- explained and shown in the uh, extended version because yeah. it showed like there it showed dwarven cavalry it also showed some of their uh advanced weaponry that they have because that's what that's one of the things that they're known for in a uh, war they're always like the high-tech you know battle-hardened little badasses they're tanks practically and i mean they'd show that in the trailer too and we didn't get to see that in the theatrical version 
So you have this? I can I can watch this? Yes. I know I said I didn't want to watch the extended editions, but that last one, I, I was like, oh, no, no, I'll take some more. More movies, sir, please. Yeah. Yeah, I know, exactly. Plus, they didn't even show Thorne's funeral in the movie, too. I was like, whoa. Well, that was like a huge part in the uh, in the books, and especially with how the movies have been played out. We're not seeing a funeral for this guy? He's the king under the fucking mountain. Everybody loved him. Even... <clears throat> yeah. Well, at least the dwarves did. While he was nice, anyway. The um, rest of it was like, oh, when he was a dick, you're like, dude, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's pretty much all we really have to say about The Hobbit. Uh, I mean, we could guess a little bit more, but I think it's time to move on to Lord of We're now 40 minutes into this. Wow, I'm stunned. Uh, we don't do short yeah, episodes I know. anymore. You remember we used to do that? We used to watch just an episode or something and talk about it, and then that would be a 22 Yeah, well, that's when we did, like, you know, individual, like, shows. But yeah. like, when it comes to movie franchises and big fairy tales like this, we tend to try and go into detail and compare as much as possible. All right, no. so okay. 70s high fantasy, you know, sword and sorcery, this is huge everywhere. Marvel Comics, DC, they're getting into the game with Warlord, you know, and they're bringing in, uh, John, oddly enough, John Carter, Man of Mars, we're taking on the War of the Worlds. I'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, you got it in the comic books, you, you got the, the Robert E. Howard um, Burroughs books doing very, very well. Tons of Frazetta art everywhere, people digging it. You got sci-fi and fantasy really kicking in. You know, you got the early days of Black Sabbath, you got Hawkwind, oh, you, got, yeah. you got Dio over in Rainbow. Just yes. Have you ever listened to Rainbow or anything by Ronnie Dio? He tells them a story. Yeah, um, Holy Diver, uh, Rainbow in the Dark. Oh god, there's an, I know there's another few songs. Well, and then there's well, like it's, this, it's uh, when he's when he is on his own. They're pretty heavy songs, but li- go back and try to listen to Rainbow. Hell, your dad might even have one of the records. Um, Richard Blackmore's uh, Rainbow was the first like real big breakthrough. A lot of his songs in Castles and Dragon, and it's not as heavy as in the '80s. And they're just really like kind of pleasant rocking tips, but they tell these. Yeah, just like with Led Zeppelin. I mean, come on, they, yeah. they're pretty much. Their lyrics are based off of, like, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I forgot. I should have mentioned that. I forgot. Yeah, uh, I think it's on that they start bringing in the songs Lord of the Rings. And, you know, Dune is huge. Uh, this is Jaradovsky, which was supposed to star David Carradine. Um, it didn't go anywhere. And, of course, we had their eight. Lynch brought his mind-boggling ad of that book. <laughs> but it's... Yeah, I mean, it did... Sorry. Um, but it's during this time, you know, Bakshi, you know, he's bringing it all to animation. I'm not talking just full-on porno, I'm just seeing stuff. He is focused on fantasy, more grown-ups, to extreme. And, of course, we saw, we discussed an episode um, earlier there where, uh, and I just... Fire and Ice. Fire and Ice, jeez, my, I think I'm getting old. Everybody just turned 40. Hey, um, big four oh. <laughs> Fire and Ice, um, and then, of course, he had done Wizards. We have not discussed, but we'll eventually, uh, I think, right prior to the... Um, but finally, he got the rights. You know, Saul Zance took forever. Saul Zance owns Fantasy Records, which is mostly the Creedence Clearwater Revival album. But here we go. We got it. We got Lord of the Rings animated version. Not complete at all. <laughs> no, it was just uh, uh, Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers, which, I, again, it was done very well. Like, as soon as, okay, like, after the first movie, uh, Fellowship of the Ring was out in theaters, after we've seen it, my mom ends up getting it for us. You know, and this is while I'm in middle school, seventh grade. She gets the animated movies, and we watch these, and we, you know, try to compare the differences, how some things were kind of kept out of, <clears throat> like, you know, the cartoon and the books. Like, the cartoon, how the cartoon kept some stuff from the books and, like, out of the movies that made a lot more sense. <clears throat> and because it was, again, it was very shortened. He, like, summed it up as much as possible. And, again, like, the animation he 
uh, the animation style of you know looking at uh, live at like live action people and drawing from them, you know traditional Ralph Bakshi animation. Well, you know, and of course he would cut some corners. He was a very very into. Sometimes that didn't work for him. Um, I've seen a couple of his movies where it's just like, oh, you're struggling. You know, hey, good. Uh, this one, he seems to have everything he wants in place. And you, you know, there's a lot of rotoscoping, which is kind of typical style. Of it. But when he starts cutting corners, like cutting in live action stuff and just sort of color, weird. Does it take you out of yeah. it a little bit? It did, yeah. Because I'm like, okay, uh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure, like the you know the, uh, and I see was using, uh, mentioning the last alliance between men and elves. Like, it was all very bland. You couldn't get a real feel of what the characters looked like. Sauron could have just been some goofy guy with a rig. It could have been Ralph Bakshi wearing a Viking helmet. That's it. <laughs> That's all it could have been. Instead of, like, the live-action version where Sauron was this giant, menacing, you know, dark elf. Do you watch but Lord of the Rings yeah. now? Do you watch Lord of the Rings and kind of look at Sauron and just go, Trump, 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 Trump? Well, now, pretty much. Dark <laughs> Trump. Take over it all. I try. I know. I he honestly, you know what? Fuck that guy. He's not ruining any of my fucking movies for me. <laughs> I was just watching it though, and I kept thinking about that. I was like, oh boy. And right now we lost about twenty percent of our list, I guess. But um, if you have not paid attention to the show for the last two years, been mocking Trump endlessly, and he's not gonna. I'm never gonna refer to him. He uh, apparently got. Yeah, no, neither lie. I mean, he doesn't deserve that respect. He no. hasn't earned it at all. Anyway, so fuck that guy. Okay, yeah. so back to the yeah, so back to the animated movies. I did notice. Uh, he did use Billy Barty in not only as the regular stand-in for Bilbo at the beginning, but he also used him at, for Samwise. Did I ever tell you like that, that who plays... in middle school, every, every time I think of the word Bilbo Baggins, I remember this asshole to call me Dildo Baggins. High school that school, ass, I know, motherfucker. Seriously. Just, like, <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even remember exactly what it was. I think we were in study hall or whatever, and some green Lord of the Rings. I was like, what is that? And he told me, I was like, oh, what's it about? And whatever. And he goes, yeah, it's about this douchebag who looks like you, Dildo Baggins. And I was like, uh, okay. And then eventually it would just turn to him walking down the hall. What's up, Dildo Baggins? And slamming me into a locker. That went on for about six What a fucking prick. Yeah, I know. Okay, he's like, you just wanted to take a giant... You, know, you just wanted to take that bandsaw from shop class and just cut it safe. Well, didn't you? the last time didn't I saw you? him, he still had people. Yeah, no, fuck that dude. Don't think of this for being a dick. <laughs> All right, so yeah, again, when it, also his character, his character design was very unique, though. I like to, you know, seeing Boromir, how he had this um, kind of, you know, Viking motif. You know, he had the horned helmet, the furs, and everything. You know, Arag Aragorn. Yeah, he looked a lot older than you. He looked a lot older yeah. and different, not as handsome as Viggo Mortensen. No, no. Well, that's also, you and know, it, Sean Bean is nothing to shake a stick at. You know, not that bad looking of a guy. And you look at the animation going, you guys had two different of what these like. <laughs> exactly, I know. Like, Boromir had this big old beard. Although I did find Boromir more savage and badass in the cartoon. And he had, like, the little, he had a very rugged, like, you know, rigid sword, which worked out very well for him. And I then, think, um... I think the wraiths in this animated are more terrifying. Oh, the ring wraith? Yeah, there's something about oh, them that God, yeah. disturbed me. From the very first time I saw it, I was just like unnerved. Even this last time I watched it, I go, something about what, I don't know what he got right in the end course. There's only one. Well, they, they eventually move on to more than that, but um, I don't know. I just thought the end character. Like, yeah, I know, because he's actually like this skulking zombie-like thing that could like move faster than you and still grab you. Um, but in the movies, yeah, the movies also have, they had more of like a, like a, you know, armored warrior kind of, uh, kind of look to them. You know, they weren't as, like, gangly or monstrous or, you know, slow. Yeah, They're, like, very fast-paced, and they will kill you right then and there. Definitely. 
I'm looking at the animation. There's a couple names that stick out like a sore thumb because they're so to animated or uh, sci-fi movies around this time. Is you got John Hurt as Aragorn, and everybody knows John Hurt from Alien. You yeah. Know, the guy got the chest. Bump. Alien. You know, some other movies here and there. Of course, he was in Hellboy and Mutant Chronicles and stuff like that. It's in the last Indiana Jones. He's just one of those guys that pops up on me. A lot of sci-fi. Yeah, no, he has like he also. Also, it's his voice too that really gives it away. Really he has like gravity. that deep no, British voice. Got, yeah, very British gravelly voice. It's like he's had that voice for. Well, you have put your foot in it this time. <laughs> um, the other voice I noticed was Legolas was voiced by Andy Daniels, who is C-3PO. And, yeah, human cyborg relation. This is, okay. I had a um like a uh, automated bank version of R2-3PO whenever I would put a quarter in um 3PO would go this is my human I swear he was saying human concubine what what did he just say and I put it in this R- is-, is R2 a prostitute no nah, he said I not human but he said something <laughs> about concubine and I was like hold on no I'm still not hearing that right do you know the line that he's saying <laughs> this is my this R2 is my counterpart human, my counterpart I kept thinking he was saying concubine and I was like is he fucking R2 <laughs> Well, I mean, shit, so Archie doesn't, I, <laughs> yeah, he puts it right in that, you know, yeah, that big old sensor, that's not Archie's eye, that's, where, <laughs> that's C-3PO's key port, I'm looking at this oh, right now, God. the history on this a little bit, Stanley Kubrick tried to adapt this, um, when United Artists got the rights and Stanley Cooper tried to direct it, I imagine if he did, it would look beautiful, but so boring. And then John Borman, who had Probably. Deliverance, and if you remember Zardoz, the one where Sean Connery, big red underwear, um, big old diaper, uh, both tried to direct it. John Borman is a really strange director. Some of his movies are cryptic. You've seen Zardoz, you're like, oh, thank God he stayed away from one. I'll have to look into Zardoz. Um, but neither one of yep. them could get it going. John Borman had a 700-page grip. That he somehow ended up giving to Ralph Bakshi. I can't imagine how fun. It is. Oh, an animation budget, shit. it would have been bust down the. Door. Pretty much, yeah. Good God. Uh, you know, speaking. Um, yeah, as far as the character design went for Frodo, he actually, I think, he used a young. I think he used a young girl, because he wanted to make Frodo seem asexual, and that's kind of how you saw him in the books. He didn't have an attraction to women. He didn't have an attraction to men either. He just was jolly, being a hobbit, doing his own thing. But, you know, as time went on after Return of the King, you know, Sam's married, has like 12 kids with his wife, which is fucking crazy. And it's pretty, it's a kind of a normal thing for hobbits. They shoot out kids like nothing. And um, he's just like, well, shoot, what do I do now? Venture's over, Sauron's dead, we're good. I don't, here's what um, we... All right, fine, I'm just going to go party with the elves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, elves party like nobody else, man. Um... Oh, I don't, I don't doubt that. I don't get this. He costs million dollars in movie. Phenomenal, kind of. And today, that's like a movie costing 40, like 300 million. So you obviously, you make this. I don't understand how it is that Ralph Bakshi was not allowed to do a sequel. United Artists was not interested in having a cheapo version. And I know people who like Richard King by Rankin Bass. And I just don't feel, I feel it's subpar. It's flow. Oh. Why the hell did they not? I'll get into that in a second. Do you know why they didn't go into this? I don't even see why not. I mean, yeah, there's like, there was blood, you know, there was blood in um, the Ralph Bakshi versions, especially when you saw like Boromir get killed, shot to death a million times, and then you see some of the orcs get, you know, kind of, you know, sliced and diced. And but I just don't see why they couldn't continue with Rank- with uh, Ralph Bakshi. I wanted to see Ralph Bakshi's version. Rankin Bass, uh, that, that opening song, Frodo and the Nine Fingers, annoyed the fuck out of me. 
Yeah, I Big time. I don't understand how it is they go, and it's even from a different studio. So how is it that you know um, United Artists is just counting all their money, going, eh, "We need a second one now. Like we need to start working right," you know? And they're like, "No, we'll just have this. You know, just go ahead and take the rights, Saul's dance. Take them over. So I'll go." And I didn't. Was yeah. it even in theaters, or was it only on television? I don't understand how this. I don't. I don't. I just don't get it either. Uh, you know what did bug me too is like Ralph Bakshi's. Um, Twin Towers. It didn't even finish all the two towers. It didn't end at the uh, Battle for Helm's Deep. No, uh, two towers ended, I think, right after they went and dealt with Saruman. And, you know, they banished him from Orthanc, which is his tower where he is. And it also it also didn't show the Shelob's lair. That was, sa- I mean, in the live-action versions, that was saved for Return of the King. Yeah. But, yeah, not that at all. I mean, they showed Treebeer for a few seconds, but that's it. Yeah, and I, I found myself struggling. It's not terrible, but once you get the vibe of Lord of the Rings, the best of uh, animated, um, really hard to go backwards. I feel like if it seems like a crime that they off it, but if he had stayed on Lord of the Rings, what I believe is best is American Pop. Um, it's bar none the best ever. No Pixar is a different. I feel like American Pop was really made for my um, and also my in their thirties and try to get them into that movie right there. I know. Well, again, yeah. As far as the whole animation scene goes, yeah, people always say like, oh, it's animated. It's only just for kids and family events. It really isn't, especially if you've seen something like Fritz the Cat. It definitely isn't. Or, or heavy metal. metal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fantasy being so huge this time, that's when uh, Metal Hurling was huge overseas. It was brought to America. You know, I kind of miss the era of the magazine. You know, the um, National Lampoon. You know, Marvel's in their magazine versions, like those big Savage sort of Conan, black and white, just right. big, big. Um, and there's Savage Hands of, or uh, Master of Kung Fu, uh, stuff like that. But that's when the, you know Metal Hurling and other people are trying to get to anime comic books for grown-ups. You know. Uh, they don't have to be this long winded superhero story. High fantasy, apocalyptic, a crime. And that's kind of gone away. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember seeing... I remember reading a comic book that you gave me about a woman going over the death of her uh, husband who was a police officer, and she was, like, investigating it. Oh, God. I know I have it right here somewhere. I can't remember the name that of it. That was a good one. I, I, but I, that even... Let me know what that is because there's, I totally forgot about it right now. I was gonna... Yeah. Yeah, no. The, reading something like that, I was like, holy sh... I kind of want to see more comics like this. Yeah, it tests. Uh, I, love my, I love my superheroes. You know, I love the the snake eating them up. Sometimes you can break from. And frankly, really good art seen in black and white, and I don't. Oh, uh, Kelly Green. That's what it is. What is it? I can barely hear. <laughs> Put the mic to your mouth. Oh, Kelly Green. <laughs> Kelly Green. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember. Dude, that. reading that one, I fucking loved it. I, it was like a you know, again, bringing all those elements from like film noir into a comic book it was just brilliantly put together yeah which makes me want to read the question read those uh, that's a superhero and a different i love them exactly yeah no i know who the question is he's uh pretty much he's yeah i think he's who rorschach was based off of he's like a detective but with no face yeah like in dick tracy um back to uh, return of the king because we got to kind of wrap it up we're at an hour point yes. and it's almost time for you to, right uh he has to get up early you work crazy early i couldn't even do that anymore um uh, voice work is still kind of the same as it was with the special. We got John Hughes back. We got Paul Freese done. Then. We also add to the cast one of my favorite actors of all time, and I know you were really, as Samwise, is Roddy McDowell. Oh, him. that's right. Yeah, it was Roddy McDowell who did that. Oh, yeah, and uh, Casey Kasem was the voice of uh, Mary. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, Casey Kasem, is he still alive? Or he's the one that died a couple years ago and had that big fight about where what his wife and yeah. was with him right before he died. He, like, they were still fighting over the state. Which is a damn shame. Yeah, no. I think we even did. Oh, yeah, we even did a tribute episode to Casey Kasem. Ah, that's right. This is Casey Kasem. Yeah, he did. For America's Top Boy. Hi, I'm Casey Kasem. 
Zoink, Scoob! <laughs> yeah, um, no, um... What else do we have here? Theodore again. Bickle. Do you know who Theodore Bickle is? No. Okay, Theodore Bickle is old, kind of. Uh, he played Aragorn, and, um... For the most part, he directed very, very strange, tiny budget actor, but he was also in movies that would eventually show up on Street Science 3000. Uh, I'm gonna get the name wrong, but the incredibly strange who decided to stop living became mixed up the name and, um, uh, The Girl with Gold Boots. <laughs> the Girl with Gold Boots is one of my favorite. Theodore Bickle wrote and directed those. He was just one of those kind of okay. like, he made movies that were very strange kind of budget, but always kind of like connected with were so weak. Almost like Tommy Wiseau. Uh, not as bad. Oh my God, not bad. That that's that man is <laughs> that man is either completely like brilliant and putting us on, or he nuts. Good God, I know. I can't wait to see his movie by uh the hey, movie Mark. about the room with Mark. James Fru- James Franco. He's like, no, that is bullshit. That's his life. Oh hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, anyway. All right, so, so Lord of the Rings live-action series. Uh, everybody's talked about it to death, so we don't have to go too far in. Um, t- um, next to the Back of the Future, you find this chunk, the, a triptych of uh, wonder and beauty. Um, just absolutely stunning. It's, it's surprising that not the, the cast is kind of, you know, the careers have kind of gone, Arr. you know, you just see them on TV now, uh, right, for the most part. Well, no, Vigo Mortensen, I think, has had still such a huge success. I mean, he'll be still be in here's, uh, movies from here and there. He was, in Appaloosa, he was in Appaloosa with Ed Harris. He was also in History of Violence. Um, he was also in, oh, my gosh, it was another uh, Dave Cronenberg film. He was Russian. He was like an undercover KB, KGB. Well, Russian, he was a Russian uh, mobster who was an undercover yeah, KGB agent. Uh, Prom- Eastern Promises, that's it. Yeah. Honestly, I think he would have won the Oscar if it wasn't for Daniel Day-Lewis that year. I love you, Daniel Day-Lewis, but take a break, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, dude, that dude does take a break, but every time he comes back, people are like, holy crap, give him an award. That's amazing. He acts like once every... Yeah, I know, and he's a great Academy Award-winning actor. I mean, he won for Lincoln, even though I think it should have gone to Joaquin Phoenix for the master. Anyway, off topic. Going back to topic. Lord of the Rings, yeah, seriously, that first film, as a kid, I saw that in theaters, uh, absolutely fell in love with it. I mean, I knew Elijah Wood... Because, you know, uh, playing North and that one movie with Kevin Costner, I can't remember what it was. War. It was in the South. Oh, my God, yeah, I actually remember something. That. You're the one who always remembers stuff. I actually remember that. The War with uh, the kid from Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. Uh, of course, now I forgot that name. Um, you know, I could be wrong about this theater. Blackwell. Thing. What's that? I want to say Louis, uh, not, no, uh, something Blackwell, his last name. Louis, uh, Lucas Black. La- yeah, there it is. Mm. Yeah, no, ser- yeah, I, I mean, I'm familiar with uh, Elijah Wood, so, you know, I was kind of excited to see it. And then, you know, seeing X-Men and seeing Ian McKellen playing Gandalf, and then, of course, Sean Astin from Goonies. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, well, great, a great put-together cast. And then, you know, seeing, you know, this massive world of Middle Earth and how most of it was principal photography, all shot in New Zealand. Yeah, just it introduced their, it, too. Just, he had to use, like, certain angles. Um, you know, I still think it's unfair in Clerks, the franchise. I say The Lord of the Rings holds up better than Star Wars. I, I, I'm starting to find the original Star Wars, and the third one, just fucking Ewoks. Ewoks. It was five, but not so right. much now. I, and he's just like, yeah. oh, they just walk. Like, no, they actually, from their adventure, they astonished. just happen to be walking while they're doing it, not flying around on a ship, buddy. <laughs> Precisely, yeah, no, I, I will say Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi do hold up so well. The first one was definitely kind of silly, especially the soundtrack, Most in the most part. I thought it was a little, it's it's definitely a little 1977. Yeah, I don't know why Kenny Lawrence is in Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, no, like, you know, seeing all of, like, New Zealand, how, like, 
they they really built those sets like um Edoras, you know which is like the capital city of uh rohan it was again all the like outside scenes outside the halls all just built sets and they just filmed it on they found that hill it's like as if tolkien you know because tolkien did live in new zealand i'm pretty sure he just looked at that hill and just started getting the concept art for Edoras just from that and it again it really brought this whole fantasy world to life uh, I mean that—that's the great thing about practical effects. Yeah, it, it, your eye just doesn't get tricked by it. But um, okay, so here I just screwed up, everybody. Um, I apologize. There is Theodore Bickle, highly respected, you know, voice work actor who died last year. Um, then I said he was the director of Girl and Gold. Correct. That—that that was Theodore Bickle, the guy who directed Girl and Gold Boots and the Incredibly Strange Creature. Theodore Mickles, who died this year. <laughs> you can see where I got confused. <laughs> I don't blame you. No, absolutely not. They're, they just sound so very similar. Like, very. <laughs> so your new voice. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. I don't know. I did watch an episode of Simpsons and learned about Krusty's father. <laughs> I don't know why he was so neurotic and so unsupportive of his own son. <laughs> anyway. Go ahead. Well, okay, but when it came to Return of the King, what was great is that they finally showed Shelob. We got to see Shelob's lair. We got to see that fight with the spider battle. And... I mean, that was something they never did in the animated movies. Rankin-Bass or uh, Ralph Bakshi's uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's definitely... And it's it was truly terrifying. Well, in The Hobbit and um, Lord of the Rings, it's necessary. Do you remember when it was supposed to be... I think it was supposed to be part of the second movie. And they saw that um, Harry Potter had it in their movie. And they were coming out at the same time, so they decided to move... You know, they moved uh, back a little bit because they didn't want these, like, at the same, same kind of genre with giant spiders. For, that, could be, that could be a reason. Yes, maybe. And also, like, all the content that they had in the two towers, they decided to just, you know, leave Shelob for later. Because Peter Jackson filmed all of them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they thought, might as well save it for later. And I'm glad they did that. Because there really wasn't much for Frodo and Sam to be doing in Return of the King other than Sam rescuing Frodo. That would have been it. That's all it would have been for their, point of, for their part of the story. I apologize, everybody. Um, before we even started recording, I was like, ah, I can wait to go to the bathroom. Um, I gotta pause. I'm sorry. Unprofessional. <laughs> well, you guys don't know it's while well, I had him on pause. I'm gonna go to the bathroom, but he's breathing into his microphone so loud. That's insanely loud. I couldn't stop is it like, it. Is it like Darth Vader status? <laughs> it was not just... <sighs> <laughs> sorry. My bad. I'm gonna blow a booger. <laughs> Where were we at? <laughs> um, I think it's. I'm, I think we're going to end. Uh, you know, it's funny as I was in a Walmart. I know I was a store that, but sometimes you get good movies. But I saw that they had the and the Hobbit for like twenty four dollars. Have we gotten to this point where this like I, that's the kind of franchise that's like long dead? Like, oh God, no. Honestly, um, I got the whole Blu-ray collection. Uh, they're all the extended versions. And that I think cost me like a hundred bucks. Oh my! Did you get a little castle with? Yeah, that was like this was like five. Eli. Shit, no. Actually, I got it was on sale. It was like eighty nine dollars, and it was yeah no. It's like it comes in the collector's box, and it's all the extended movies and the special features. And uh, I honestly, I was like, I had to buy it. I'm I'm such a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and I don't have them. You know, my mom has all the extended um, films, but not I. And I got them in Blu-ray, so they look better. Nice. Um, so I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you, everybody, for being so patient while we got our act together, mostly. Um, we will be back in two weeks with an episode we <laughs> promised a while ago. 
Uh, we are going to discuss <gasps> the Jetsons and the Hunstones. Yes! And then um, we said we would finally do one other thing about since the beginning of the show. For our third anniversary, we are going to discuss... It's going to be a mini. We're going to do them in, like, just four or five chunks. We're going to discuss... We'll pick a couple characters each episode to discuss significant cartoons about them, what we love about the character, what we hate about the character. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do some Daffy Duck. Do some Bugs Bunny, some Foghorn Leghorn, Yosemite Sam, you know, uh, Sylvester and Dee Roadrunner, stuff like that. We're going to do those episodes. We should have done them a long time ago. I don't know why it took us so long. But seriously, for everybody who has supported us all this time, Seriously, we are just around the corner from our end. You've held on, you've shared, like, love you. Every once in a while, you a douchebag. Like, why are you even talking about cartoons? Cartoons stupid. And I hope you... Um, <laughs> uh, we got to the point now. I know it's a small number. We finally got to the... I'm just not going to give up now. You know, the good, it shows that we were having significant... And uh, stop. Don't stop <laughs> thinking about tomorrow. Don't stop. It'll soon be here. <laughs> I think that's a perfect oh, way God. to end this episode. You know, and, and I kind of want to change. I'm thinking about maybe getting a new logo for stuff. You know, I'm thinking about changing things up a little as part of our anniversary. A new look, you know, a new glossy. As you can tell, Jacob got a new microphone. Do you like the microphone, everybody? Oh, gosh, I'm loving it. I don't know about the audience. I don't care. I'm in love with it. If only. Does it help that it kind of looks no, like a giant penis? No, not at all. Is it pink? I can't remember if I got the flesh colored one. That just means you're. Oh, you got the blue one. Yeah, poor circulation. I'm blue. Dabba diva Great. Now, yeah, anyone listening, that's going to be stuck in your head, too. All right? Next thing you know, you're going to do a little time travel back to the 90s. All right, I'm going to fix it. Walk in the door, get on the floor, everybody do the dinosaur. Ba 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 Goddamn Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Speaking of, we are just around the corner from also relaunching Trash Cinema. Um, so here's it. I overdo it. We don't care. Um, I just wish I had more time to do it. Like I said, I've never made a cent off this. I've spent a lot in the show, but I can be drinking. Smoke, I be eating, you know? Um, uh, all them hookers. Could have spent but no! <laughs> no, I spent them on podcasting. Unsufferable nerd. Um, we have the two main that's are Back in and Video Night. Those are more ones that are kind of regular. Yeah, a few episodes. Um, I have two other series that are launching. Uh, their seconds uh, is Comics on the Infinite. So we discuss and stuff and independent titles, events. And so sometimes we just talk about whatever and comic will interest us. Um... There's also Trash Sun. Trash Sun, you and I started off before Video Night kind of crumbled with the other host. And so this is often where we'll fit in one of them. And Jacob, of course, came in and was a guest. But I think I have enough uh, episodes of Video Night uh, in the can so that you and I can go back to talking about trashy, funny, terrible. You know what we should discuss? What? You uh, know, it was very recent. It's on Netflix. It was uh, Yoga Hosers by uh, Kevin Smith. I want to see Yoga Hosers. Yeah, I have not seen that one yet. We should also talk about um, uh, 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 Tusk. I adore Tusk, but I can I see why some of those trashy. What's that? I, 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 that's one I definitely have to see. Oh, Tusk is disturbing. It crawls in your brain and won't get out, man. I know people who hate it, man. Oh, ho, ho. Yes. Again, I'll have to look into it. I mean, I haven't seen Tusk, and you haven't seen Yoga Hosers yet, so hey, we need to switch off on Kevin Smith. Right? <laughs> um, that sounds like a sexual thing. Uh, don't let him... Um, so that's, that's okay. kind of the deal. So we're, this is pretty much our... Um, we're going to pause on our little video and Jacob. We can go do some trashy moves for a little bit, and then maybe in the fall we'll come back to video night and do some, like, 87. We and I are totally discussing, like, uh, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. We gotta. We gotta discuss that move's uh, 30th anniversary. Spaceballs? Lost Boys, Monster Squad. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh my God! Yes. All those movies I've seen, definitely. 
Yeah, so we're gonna do trash cinema probably for February, March, and April, and then we'll go back into the summers. Um, we still have never done the Beverly Hills Cop franchise. We talked about doing these a lot, but we put off a lot of fun. spitball ideas, and sometimes we get around we don't. And wait, didn't we do a special on Eddie Murphy? Yet we never mentioned the Beverly Hills Cop trilogy. What the no, fuck? No, no, we never did. The, we never did the Eddie Murphy. We were gonna do an episode. You remember how we were doing the Legend <laughs> of kind of episodes? We did Legend of Chevy Chase. Yeah. Talk about doing how Eddie Murphy was monster. It's huge. It's not some big comeback. With uh, Nutty Professor. Even then, he kind of stumbled a little bit. We, oh. should, we should do that. I, um, but that, that's kind of an idea of what we have come. Technically, uh, I guess February twentieth, our fourth year. Um, back in tune, still going to our you know bi-monthly episode. I'm going to have some guests come and try to do their perfect Saturday morning. Um, we're to uh, the WTF team. Those are like the mini sods that we could fill in. Me and Jacob doing our episode. Um, we're going to discuss the Garbage Pail Kids um, cartoon next, which I'm sure Jacob, I've. Sp- <laughs> Yeah, it's quite horrible, <laughs> I might say. It's quite horrific. All right. <laughs> okay, everybody. I know, I know. on too long. Check us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes or our main page for all the podcasts, Retro Rocket Entertainment. And um, have a good night. Jacob, send us out. All right. Namaste and good luck, y'all. everybody, welcome to another episode of Comics on Infinite Earths. I know, it's been months since we've had an episode. Uh, I think the last one I did was in early July with Ken, and then uh, right before that you and I did the Judge Dredd episode. So it's been a little while, so let's just consider that maybe the end of the season, and then we're going to start a whole new season, because uh, we're going to try to focus on getting some more of these out. And um, basically this episode, Jacob is back. How's it going, Jacob? It's going great! I'm alive, and so are you. Well, you were more at risk than I was. You were uh, in Napa with those gigantic fires wiping out everything in its path. Luckily, the town was saved. Sadly, not so much Santa Rosa. Uh, everything turned out okay with your family over there? Yeah, no, my mom's uh, house is okay. Everything's good. And my brother is okay as well. He's been really busy. Uh, his school got torched up a little bit, but um, nothing, uh, as far as I could tell, uh Nothing too major. Last I checked with him, sometimes he's hard to get a hold of. And this is not. And um, this isn't directly comic book related, but it's comic strip oriented, which I think sometime we'll probably do uh, discuss comic strip stuff. But um, Charles Schultz's house did go up in flames in the Santa Rose fire, sadly, and lost tons of artifacts. I know, dude. It's, it is. It's really sad. Like so much history of Snoopy and the Peanuts gang just gone. I mean, uh, shit. Just I mean, even even a friend of mine uh, I went to high school with. Their, um, she and her boyfriend lost their home. Oh, that sucks. I know it is. It's terrible. I mean, it's gonna be there for a long time. And my friends, um, my friend in Napa, her uh, parents, they lost their house up on the up in the hills. Sheesh. Yeah. Where they were at. I mean, there's been a gap for numerous reasons. Of course, I've been dealing with the fact that my dog has cancer. Uh, you know, had a serious surgery, and now she's going through chemo and just moving at the same exact time, changing jobs. Which apparently, I'm going to inherit the worst crew in fucking history. Um, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna mellow out now. We're gonna, we're gonna relax and discuss some comic book universe stuff. 
Uh, this episode will be discussing the Ted Cord Blue Beetle series back in the 80s. Uh, plan yes. Doing it. I planned on doing this like six months ago with someone else, and certain things came up. They couldn't do it. They were uh, nice enough to give the book over to you and become our sponsor. So um, Zen Monster Media is a basically a seller of all sorts of multimedia, lots of comics, some movies, books. It's all sort of random entertainment stuff. Uh, most of the stuff is, I think, on Amazon and eBay. And at no storefront, you know, you can't walk into the store to Zen Monster Media, but just look them up at those places and check out their uh, wares for sale. And let them know that you heard them here, because uh, we'd like to keep them as a sponsor, because they're nice enough to give us some free comic books to discuss. Yes. Oh, God. I hope to get uh, I hope to get uh, The Midnight Suns. That's what I really want. I want to read that series. I have, I'm going to go over that. I'm going to write that down right now, because you suggested that, and I forgot about it. Okay. Um, and... We're going to be doing the Blue Beetle series, the Manhunters uh, miniseries that was from the 70s from Archie Goodwin and Walt Simonson. We'll be discussing some of the summer wrap-up uh, comic book movies. Of course, we did Guardians of the Galaxy during the Judge Dredd episode, I believe. And uh, this episode, yes, uh, I finally saw Spider-Man Homecoming and Wonder Woman, so we'll be discussing that. And I watched the X-Men Gifted pilot episode. Sadly, you did not get to watch that. No, gosh, I completely forgot about it. And I love X Men. I hear it's great. I hear that and um, the other X Men uh, spinoff, uh, Legion. I have not so seen I Legion. Those, those were great. You know, what? let's go ahead and discuss it real quick. Uh, the first episode is up on Vudu for free. That's how I checked it out because I don't have normal right. television. I mean, who the fuck does anymore? I can't believe people are still like, I need an antenna for normal TV. Why? Why would you want this? <laughs> uh, why would you have to schedule exactly. your life around a TV network? Get broadcast signal up where you live. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> um, I watched X-Men Gifted, and I was not um, that excited. I was more excited back when they debuted Mutant X back in 2001. That, you know, that syndicated Canadian X-Men sort of series. Um, that was exciting and new. And this, I was just bored. It was dark. It was grimy. It was depressing. There was no awe. It was just... And it's from, like, there's, like, 80 producers in this thing. Somehow, Len Wiseman, the uh, writer-director of Underworld, is involved with this. I don't know how. He, he Maybe he was originally supposed to set up the direction. But Brian Singer directs it, and it's fucking morose. It is mopey. I'm hoping it gets a little bit better, but right now it is dark. Is it, is it, is it dark and depressing as your soul? All black and full of hate. Uh, you guys might hear this. I don't know if you will, but the lady upstairs is vacuuming, and she vacuums, I think, every single day, unless she's trimming her nether region. It's a hedge trimmer or something. Oh, good God. That's a little vulgar. It's but a bushwhacker. Yeah, it's just a constant, like, from her bedroom. I constantly hear this, wow, wow, wow. It's, yeah. Oh, really? Uh, so you might hear that in the background. I don't know if you'll hear that. Um, Sounds like a Norkian beast eating, rawr, rawr, rawr. Um... <laughs> Yeah, there are a few cameos from characters you know. Blink is in it, um, and uh, Lorna, oh, cool. Lorna, uh, aka Polaris, is in it. I didn't really catch if there were any other characters. I hate it when they develop the vague heroes, the ones that don't really exist in the universe as like filler. Um, so I'm hoping this is geared towards some of the characters that have been ignored. I'd love to see like Longshot, and um, yeah. Oh my god, I was just about to mention him. I'm trying to think of some other obscure... Uh, Bishop. Well, Bishop was in one of the movies, but he wasn't in it very much. I like Bishop. Yeah. Uh, I want to see some of the he new mutants. Oh, that. did you see the trailer for New Mutants? That's why you said Maisie Williams. You were thinking I was talking about... Okay, New Mutants is a movie, not a TV show. Okay. Oh, okay, gotcha. 
Yeah, no, I was thinking of the. Uh, yeah, I was thinking of that show. Oh, damn. Well, I'll have to look. I'll have to look them both up then. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> New Moons, New Moons heard... isn't out till next year. It's going to be in theaters. It's from the director of The Fault in Our Stars. I think. What the hell's the name of that movie? I think. Yeah, The a... Fault in Our Stars. Yeah, Josh Boone. I think is the director. He's he's doing that one. Oh, cool. Well, I'm more honestly. I am excited for when uh, X Men Dark Phoenix comes out because they're bringing in Lalandra and Pink and is her name? Yeah, Pink? but you know. I, what annoys me is that it's from Simon Kinberg, not Simon Kinberg. Who, actually, I think it is Simon Kinberg who's doing it. Who's a writer, but he's been mostly sure producing it lately. And I just don't know if they should be handing over a two hundred million dollar movie to a guy who's never directed a film before. Um, I mean, the series is already in trouble because Apocalypse did not wow anybody. I mean, I thought it was okay, but I wasn't like, holy shit, this is great. It was a huge drop from Days of Future Past. Uh, Story-wise, yeah, it was for me. I thought it was a very fun movie. I, I mean, critically, you know, it still held on to character, and it was definitely like a huge um, homage to like you know everyone growing up in the eighties. Yeah, you know? um, I mean, with the, like the soundtrack, the fashion, <laughs> and I'm still pissed off that that mall scene was cut in the deleted scene. In the deleted scenes, See? I'm like, come on, there was some character development there. You get to know a little bit more about Nightcrawler. He does. He break dances. Come on. Well, you know, you, you've you seen the extra features. I haven't because you just gave me the digital uh, copy I watched on Voodoo. I feel like we're being sponsored by Voodoo, but we're not. Hey, Voodoo, free, <laughs> free movies. Just toss them our way. <laughs> well, actually, I think uh, on Voodoo, if you look them up, like, it should come with the special features because it does on my PS4. Oh, well, maybe I'm wrong. Um, you know what? Screw it. it. We're not going to go in order. Fuck this. We're, it's a natural <laughs> order. We're talking about 80s stuff. Let's talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. Do Spider-Man Homecoming is a love letter to the John Hughes movies, as well as uh, kind of reconfiguring the mythology of Spider-Man. Not, I, I hate it when they change it so that it doesn't look silly, like the way they did with the first X-Men, all that fucking leather. It is not aged well. That leather looks ridiculous now. Um, I love it when a comic book... Yeah. Why are comic book movies so afraid of being comic book movies? I mean, that's what you're going in for. Some of the stuff is going to look exactly. silly. How is it that Jamie Foxx didn't look more ridiculous the way he was in that movie than he would be in his classic suit? Uh, I just, I don't oh, Amazing Spider-Man 2? Well, they went, with the, they went more with the ultimate look. That's what I think they were going for with that one. Also, uh, Spider-Man... Yeah, exactly. that's exactly what I felt with Spider-Man Homecoming. It had this like 80s teen movie feel to it. For sure. I mean, Spider-Man hopping through the backyards, and all of a sudden you see that clip of Ferris Bueller, and that's exactly what Ferris Bueller did to try and get back home, was cut through all those, like, you know, the neighborhood's backyards. And, oh gosh, hell, even the homecoming dance, it was all 80s themed. Plus, also seeing Spider-Man, you know, just being so young and inexperienced, you know, like, he even has, like, he has trouble swinging, you know, he'll, he'll like, fall, he'll crash into a bunch of shit, like in the previous movies. <laughs> I laughed so he hard. He had no problem with that whatsoever. <laughs> right. I, when he hit the floor of, I mean, of that rooftop, I laughed so hard. <laughs> There's so many things in the movie that yeah. just really surprised me. Uh, like when he walks in, his friend is just sitting. These are spoilers, by the way. Uh, when he walks in, his friend's just sitting there waiting for him. He's like, <gasps> you're Spider-Man! <laughs> Uh, what is it, Hannibal Buress is the uh, on the ceiling yet? <laughs> Hannibal Buress is the um, detention the uh, supervisor. Yeah, and he's like, no, don't go. All right, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really give a shit about detention. No, no. Not even. And I liked how it was um, even in that detention um, room. You know, you see all those like you know pre uh, presidents and like you know founding fathers. And I loved how the one that stood out was the picture of James Baldwin. Why? Why that one? 
I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Do you know who that is? No, is he one of the Baldwin brothers? Because, I mean... <laughs> no. <laughs> Somewhere He's between Daniel and uncle. Steve and there was a James Baldwin. Yeah. No, but just look up James Baldwin. He's like one of the most brilliant men that have existed, for sure. And he's very, he was very, you know, very, uh, oh gosh, I can't even think of the right word. He created the mustache. But look him up. Just, that's all he did. He <laughs> one day I was just growing up. Like, what if much. I leave the top part hairy? Ooh, this looks fantastic. What if I curl it up at the end? Oh, I can't afford mustache wax. I, what am I thinking? <laughs> This guy, did, I mean, honestly, this guy was like very, like very advocate on uh, civil rights issues, and you know, uh, the placement of um, African American uh, uh, culture in the U.S. society, yeah. and how he pretty much called out all the wrongdoings, like, and you know, especially how systematic, mass, systematically uh, oppressed, you know, people of color are. You know what? And how it still rings true to this day. He's very, he's like, again, look him up, dude. He'll wow you. Yeah, I, I didn't realize this. I forgot to say this, but uh, the end of the X-Men pilot, Gifted, um, there is a clear swipe at Trump's administration. And I'm shocked that Fox led through, but it is clearly um, a... They treat the mutants as if they were... Uh, all mutants were terrorists, and therefore they want to lock them up or ban them. And uh, there's this whole thing about the resistance, the government's coming after us. It's clearly about uh, our current idiot in office and his fucking paranoid ban on anybody who's not white exactly or how or everybody how all, all news organizations that criticize him are fake news yeah. that's honestly how senator kelly was towards mutants he thought they were all criminals that should be registered and if know, i remember locked correctly, up and detained there is a news piece like some sort of propaganda about the government saying be a real american help us fight the mutants if you find them and detect them report them now it's like yeah, this sounds like some sort of, I mean, fuck, not even now. It's also like kind of a metaphor for uh, Hitler, you know, hunting down the Jews. Pretty much, yeah. All, uh, or heck, even in Cal, like, especially in, uh, you know, places like California, which has become a, uh, it has become a sanctuary state. Yeah, which, of course, anything which like awesome. that, oh, that just climbs up his ass. You know, I, I hope uh, butt cancer also gets him. Just, come on, just eat him from oh, the I'm inside. I'm pretty sure it will. I mean, I hope it, so. All yeah, that. it's just like spread throughout his body. And it's like in the shape of orange jello. That's why it's oh, so orange. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, yeah, but yes, back to Spider-Man Homecoming. It does what, – what's really awesome is, you know, Spider-Man in this movie, he doesn't have an origin. You don't have to see Uncle Ben die. Oh, you thank don't have God. To I don't want to sit that shit again. I know. Well, you could see like when he mentions like not making Aunt May worry and all that is because she's already gone through so much and still is suffering from the loss of Uncle Ben. We all know that. We don't need to see that. We know his origin. Um, but he's really trying to prove that he could be like one of the big heroes. He could be a top tier hero, like up there with Captain America and Iron Man, the, all the Avengers. He yeah. feels like, I mean, that, and that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to prove to Tony Stark he's the real deal. Plus, look at him. He's super strong. He's stronger than Captain America physically. You know, he could take him down in one punch. I mean, look, uh, uh, look at Civil War. He stopped Bucky's punch easily, like it was nothing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the big driving point of this plot is trying to tell you that sometimes you may think you're ready for something, but you are clearly not, and you need to take the proper steps because, you know, he gets in over his head. He goes after uh, the Vulture. Do they actually say the Vulture at any time, or is it just Toomey's? Yeah, no, uh, Iron Man does. Iron Man is like, don't go after the big scary Vulture guy, you know. He's oh. clearly known as Vulture. Um, and, we, also, we also have Shocker. Uh, yeah, I like how— Did you notice that Shocker and yes, Scorpion makes a, a cameo? Yeah, Mac Gargan. And, the team and uh, yeah, it definitely 
Oh yeah, the Tinkerer. Yeah, Adrian Toomes. He was. Oh, my gosh, I keep forgetting the actor's name, but he's in Orange's. He's in Orange's the New Black and Men in Black Three. He's uh, very funny. I don't know who that actor is. I'm sorry, I didn't recognize him. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but that's where I've seen him. And uh, of course, of course, yes, it uh, it's definitely setting up Sinister Six, which is what Sony tried to do after you know what they tried to do uh, to set up after the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Man, what a fuck up that was. You know, I was so up. mad. You and I were mad as hell when they fired Andrew Garfield. But in a weird way, it feels oh God, yeah. at least it was the right step. This is the best Spider-Man movie in my opinion. Better than even part two. I just oh, I was with I'm it not gonna lie. all the way. Yeah, no, I'm not even going to lie. I mean, I loved Amazing Spider-Man 2. That was my favorite, and I thought the best Spider-Man film so far. But then Homecoming comes along. And again, it it, it did. It just wowed me. It made me love Spider-Man again. Do um. Although, are you sick of Iron Man at all? I'm starting to get kind of a little Tony Starked out. Well, as far as like the main tier of Avengers go, I mean, there's so much focus on them. But I'm I'm glad there's another Thor coming out. That I want to see. I also want to see another Hulk. But I think the rights are tied up with Universal in a way that yeah, they can't I, make a solo Hulk film. No, I think what has to happen is somehow they're going to have to buy the rights off Universal, or they're going to have to split a movie. Say like pay fifty fifty, like yeah. they've done. You know, I don't know. It's just Universal is just holding on to those rights for dear life. But I don't think the world wants a Hulk movie. I, I know. think the Hulk works best when he's bouncing at other people. I, there's some other characters I think would deserve smaller movies. I would be glad to watch a $50 million Hawkeye movie or a Black Widow. You know, and that, so there's not so much pressure. And, awesome. you know, their stories are more low-key. They're government people, and they go after, like, you know, terrorists. And so I think they go after some of Captain America's smaller heroes. Uh, but Spider-Man's always had, like, the best rogues gallery in the Marvel Universe. Um, he's equivalent, yes. I think, to The Flash or Batman with amazing characters exactly. to bounce off Exactly. I was just about to make that. I mean, they put, again, yeah, you've got Flash's, like, you know, Cold Girls. You've got Captain Cold. You've got Zoom. You've got, you've got Killer Frost. You've also got, um... Pied oh, Piper. Gosh. There's Pied Piper. There is... Pied Piper. Yeah, there's, there's, there are all sorts of guys that have been added lately, too. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that when we do the Flashpoint episode. Trickster. But, Trickster, of course, is amazing. Um, Captain Boomerang. Um... Yeah. What yes. villain do you still want to see in the Marvel Universe that has not been represented on film? Well, they'd have to buy the rights from Fox, but I want to see Galactus. That is the uh, that is a that is a deadlier villain than Thanos, I think. Well, hold no, 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 no. I mean, in the Spider-Man universe, you don't want to see Spider-Man take on oh. Galactus. Well, uh, in the Spider-Man <laughs> universe, I want. Well, Disney oh, Disney wouldn't do this. Kevin Feige would probably have to do what Disney says and not go for an R rating. I want to see Carnage. I want to see the Maximum Carnage storyline or Venom. I want to see Venom reintroduced. They fucked that up in Spider-Man 3 big time. Yeah, yeah. And geez. who else? Oh, no, no Hobgoblins. Uh, if they are, it's got to okay. be Hobgoblin. I still no can't Hobgoblin. believe that they yeah. didn't make James Franco Hobgoblin. the Hobgoblin. It seems so stupid now. Exactly. I, that's who uh, James Franco should have been in Spider-Man 3 instead of Green Goblin number 2. Yeah, it's just But dumb. less crazy. Uh, what I want to see – I want to see uh, – now I know – and you and I have had this discussion. Wanderer? You, what? Oh, no, the Beyonder, I mean. Beyonder, no. I want to go more low-key. I want to go for Craven the Hunter and um, like Vermin yes. or Carrion, you know, two smaller level villains that they can't really carry a movie. But um, I would like to see like Spider-Man is trying to protect Vermin, even though Vermin's crazy and he's violent, uh, trying to protect him from Craven the Hunter and uh, something like that. You yes. know, I'm trying to think of what other villains that could be great that they haven't represented yet because a lot of them kind of seem right. cheesy. There, uh, there's well, a Hydro Man that it seems silly for the big screen. Yes. Yeah, also, plus the way that um, these writers and directors, you know, how they bring these small characters alive and make them much bigger, like what they did with Iron Man. And 
like Obadiah Stane. Like they got a movie just off that, and it became huge. It sparked and started the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's true. So now, now that Spider-Man could do in, that with small characters, Spider-Man's in the Marvel Universe now. So therefore, he is in the same universe as Justin Hammer. Now there is an arc in Spider-Man around 280, 281, where it was Spider-Man and Silver Sable taking on Justin Hammer's mercenaries, who most oh, of them wow. were tech guys. It, it, 281 is the craziest issue of Spider-Man I've ever seen. So uh, Spider-Man has a broken arm. He is protecting Silver Sable, who I think is barely armed, um, in downtown New York and taking on, if I, I'm trying to remember all the characters, there's Hydro-Man, there's uh, Boomerang, there is, not Captain Boomerang, but Boomerang, there is uh, the Beetle. Um, yes, the Beetle. Fuck, there was another one. Uh, they're taking them all on, and then uh, Sandman, who has uh, gotten out of jail and has reclaimed his life as a good guy, joins Spider-Man to kick the shit out of these guys. At the same time, there is a battle between Hobgoblin and Jack-O-Lantern. A Jack-O-Lantern is another character who is fun to watch, who has been completely forgotten. And it's a phenomenal story, but it's, it's, I need to get that again, because I, I traded it a long time ago for something yeah. much, much more expensive. Well, there definitely is going to be a sequel to Spider-Man after... Um, Damn right. After uh, a, uh, Infinity War. God damn, how can I forget that shit? That's the one... That's one of the Marvel movies I'm really looking forward to. That and Black Panther. Oh my god, that trailer for Black Panther. I feel like I'm seeing something so completely different than anything else Marvel has done. Fuck yes. That's good. I want to see different. I mean, I was everything was getting bland. Civil War wasn't that great. The Avengers movie still wowed me, but... When Doctor Strange come along, I'm like, finally, the supernatural realm of Marvel. Maybe they could deal deeper. Maybe they could bring Ghost Rider. Morbius. Morbius. Slowly introduce, yeah. reintroduce, reintroduce Blade, you know, yeah. or set that up for Netflix. That's what and I then think. have him I tie think... in with the Midnight Suns. Well, yeah, what I'm thinking is, is that the Defender series didn't wow anybody. Iron Fist is kind of, eh. What I think Marvel needs to do is now shift to another storyline. That's what they just need to do. Do series and make them all come into one. So do Midnight Suns as a TV series. You'll have World. Yeah. You can have like Werewolf by Night. You can have Dracula somehow in there. There was a there was a zombie and a Frankenstein. There's Man Thing. Um, uh, even Howard the Duck is Will part it. of the Man Thing universe, right? I mean, it could just be kind of a darker universe. But uh, Midnight <laughs> Suns. Okay, who was all in Midnight Suns? It was Morbius, Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, you know, Doctor Strange, uh, Danny Ketch. Well, that was that. Well, was I think the, they're gonna bring. Yeah. I think they're gonna bring in Danny Reyes from uh, Agents of Shield. Huh. Danny Reyes is the, one of the, a different Ghost Rider. He wasn't the Zarathos. I haven't watched Agents of Shield in years. Yeah, I just watched this latest season. I felt like I didn't really have to watch the previous seasons to know these characters at all. I mean, yeah. I already knew Coulson well enough. And then I go and watch this one, and I, I kid you not, the, the highlight of that. Well, I mean, it was a great season. Don't get me wrong, but again, Ghost Rider, motherfucking, just awesome. I, I, I mean, yeah, he wasn't on a motorcycle, but his car was so fucking sick, and you, you really felt the. Uh, the duality and the, uh, the, what's the right word? Conflict. The conflict with Danny Reyes and the demon possessing him. You know, the demon saying, you know, I'll let you, you know, I'll give you back, you know, I'll let you live, you know, let me possess your body and I'll punish, you know, all the people who wronged you and, you know, every other murderer and criminal that's deemed, you know, <laughs> to die. <laughs> Uh, the last That's movie the I want to discuss right. is I finally got around to watching Wonder Woman. Now you're all wondering, hey, it's October. Why the fuck are you talking about these movies now? I don't go to the movie theater anymore. And the town that I moved into, which is bizarre, considering it's a suburb of a huge city, it's the capital of the state, uh, has no movie theaters. We have a video store. We have a video store. It's what? wonderfully burgeoning. It's, it's always packed. 
with people, and okay. uh, no, there's no movie theater here, so I'd have to drive miles and miles uh-huh. to get to one. I just don't feel like it. But plus, I also hate people that won't get off their fucking phones, whatever. So I just watched Wonder Woman, and um, three quarters of it is fucking amazing. There's a part that really bugs the shit out of me, and it's in every superhero movie nowadays, except for Spider-Man and what? Civil War. Is the overblown, massive CGI fuckfest. I mean, it's just it goes on too long. There's too many special effects. It looks like a video game, and I lose my connection to it. I think that was Zack Snyder's in, uh, touch right there. Whenever it comes to action, he always has that uh, wow factor. Now, that I, video game. I mean, hell, Dawn of Justice, that was like something out of the uh, Arkham uh, video games, which yeah. is fucking great. Here's the, the thing. is I've, I've actually read discussions on this, and apparently Patty Jenkins is 100% responsible for all, everything that was filmed. But it is hard oh. not to notice a jarring difference between the non-action scenes and the action scenes. I love the stuff that's not action. Everything else looks like this fucking 300 slow-mo, you know, overly complicated action sequences. Some of it's good, like when she was going through the village or whatever and taking out the bad guys, you know, especially with the rope sequence inside yeah. the building and she went <laughs> through so awesome. the tower. But the other stuff feels like, seriously, like Zack Snyder just came in and said, I'll take care of this. Yeah, especially the fight against uh, Ares. Dude, honestly, I, I loved – again, I just loved it from beginning to end. Finally, it brought in the mythology of the gods and goddesses of the DC world, but they're all dead except for Zeus. What the fuck? Oh, you mean the comics? Um, no, in the uh, Wonder Woman film. Oh, right. No, I'm sorry. I totally forgot. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I thought Ares was a decent villain, but towards the end, it just got kind of complicated. And I was like, well, we already had one major villain with Danny Houston. Why are we dealing with another one? I, yeah. I just I, I was kind of annoyed by it. Uh, but three quarters of it, uh, I was amazed. The, the cast was fun, and it was uh, naturally funny. Instead of like someone came in later to fix the script, uh, the cast, no. you know, it's it's a it's like a misfit group together. And I think I was really entertained by them. Yeah, it was, and you definitely saw a lot of diversity, uh, especially within the Amazons. Like they were all like badass fucking females <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And um, again, I'm pretty sure I was. I, I even like knew there was a. I, I even like knew this from like from the beginning of um, how how the Amazons are going to be set up in the Justice League, and they had possession of a mother box. It even showed in like the one of the trailers uh, for Justice League. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, where Steppenwolf's coming through the portal and he's attacking the uh, Amazons. And I'm pretty sure, like thousands of years ago, there were three mother boxes on Earth. One was buried. One's infused with cyborg now. And the others have uh, been kept with the Amazons. I think the Atlanteans might have found the buried one. Well, I'm curious. I feel like there was a major story, I don't know, like 20 years ago, where it was like Amazons attack America. But then they did it again with Aquaman. Flashpoint? It just feels like, no, no, it was, that was part of it. But it was something else. I think it was a series uh, called Amazon Attacks. Mm. But then in, in Marvel, they had Atlantis Rising or something like that. It's, it's hard to keep them all straight. Yeah, but still, I just love how Wonder Woman like it sets up. It sets up in her own world. It doesn't really have a connection with the other movies. It stands alone. All you see is just the Wayne Enterprises truck uh, delivering the original photo to her at the beginning, uh, at the museum she curate at the Louvre. She's a museum curator at the Louvre. Yeah, and there's no stinger at the end. You're so conditioned to it with Marvel that you expected a stinger. And then uh, Spider-Man had one, which was good. But uh, was there more than one? Because sometimes there's two, and I stopped the movie and I forgot. Oh, Mar- oh uh, in Spider-Man, you see, uh, you know, you see a uh, setup of the Sinister Six. You know, Vulture, you know, talking to Scorpion, and Scorpion's yeah. like saying, like, rumor is, you know, who Spider-Man is. He's like, if I did, I'd kill him. But I think he's, I think Vulture is 
in that moment, you could definitely tell he's grateful to Spider-Man because he saved his life, you know? Yeah. Plus, you know, his daughter being connected, you know, I, I imagine that might have been a thing. Plus, he's a kid. He's just a fucking kid. Exactly. That's true. He's just a kid trying to do the right thing. Whereas Toby McGuire back... was clearly aiming towards Social Security. <laughs> he's so old God. now. I watched the Spider-Man 3 director's cut, or the editor's cut, and um, the music's different. The way they cut it is different. It still has some really terrible shit in it, like the stupid disco emo uh, Peter, God, the, so stupid. the editor's cut is a lot better than the version that we've seen. Well, I have yet to see the editor's cut. Yeah, it's a digital only. Um, I'll try to find it for you. I believe it's on Voodoo. Huh. Okay, I'll have to look it up. But yeah, no, um, back to Wonder Woman. Yeah, also, I just love how uh, it, it wasn't exactly like super, you know, overly, you know, you know, feminist, but she, I mean... The way she, like, approached scenes, like, walked in the war room, everybody discussing strategies. They're all like, wait, what's a woman doing in here? She's like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? <laughs> she doesn't understand how society works. She's been alienated from everything of the outside world, knows nothing of it, because she's been born and raised in a, a mascara her entire life. And hell, even when she, she also found, like, no attraction to Steve Trevor. Even when she saw him naked, she, like, didn't even give a shit. She was more concerned about the watch, because she didn't know what it was. <laughs> But um, when I think about all those old men, like, what is she doing in here? A woman? Good God, it's absolutely absurd. Let me fix my monocle. Am I seeing this correctly? Is there a lady in our office? Oh. It's like, yeah, I'm a lady and I can kick all your asses. You got a problem with that? <laughs> How dare you? I, I'm all blustery and bruised. Oh, gosh, man, my colon is bursting. I must be eating more prunes. <laughs> Let's go yeah. ride a unicycle and punch a gorilla. How is that an old thing? I don't know. Is this something we used to do in olden times? I think it is. Let's go punch a gorilla. And then five minutes later, he, no, ripped, no, wait a minute. he ripped my ears wait. off. I'm a human banana. <laughs> isn't that old? Isn't that Nigel Reddit? Nigel Reginald Watson III? Didn't he, like, have a debate with you regarding uh, weapons procurement? Oh, hold on. Let us drive by him. I disagree! And then just, I... <laughs> Where are you going with this one? <laughs> it's a drive-by argument. <laughs> That's how they settled things back in the day. <laughs> I'm an original gangster. I shall feel you down with my powerful mustache. What are you talking about? This is stupid. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's anyway, let's also, I loved uh, uh, how in Wonder Woman they made her half goddess instead of, you know, the whole made out of clay shit. Yeah. Like Zeus. Well, yeah, she is made out of clay. They do like they do mom. say that. She was made out of clay by uh, Hera, and the, right? And then Zeus made her into a person? Yeah, but that's kind of BS. You know, that's not what they went with. Because um, even Ares is saying, like, no, dude, you're a goddess. Oh, right, Like, right, you're right, dead. Right, yeah. It's like, you know, my brother, Zeus... Banged your mom. That's what happened. That's how babies are made. The clay thing, that's a crock of shit. Uh, Alright, so um, let's get to the actual comic book part. Let's discuss the 1986 Blue Beetle series. This is after DC had bought the rights to all the Charter or Charlton characters. And um, I don't know if you knew this. I don't know if we've had this discussion before, but originally DC was going to let Alan Moore take those characters and put them into Watchmen. And he was going to kill off a lot of them. And uh, DC changed their mind at the last minute, said, hey, we actually play, you know, we paid a pretty good price for these characters, so we're going to keep them. 
but you can create characters that are similar and do whatever you want with them. Right. And what they did with uh, Ted Cord Blue Beetle was awesome. Yeah, it's it's my favorite. I haven't. So, well, I shouldn't say that because I haven't read the other ones. The only well, the the major ones were the question. Uh, Captain Adam and Blue Beetle, and then there's um, uh, Peacekeeper, I think, Peacemaker, um, and there's a couple others in there that I don't really recall. I remember there was a combo called Law that focused on all those characters getting together, but the only three that we really know now are those, Captain Adam, uh, The Question, and Blue Beetle. Yes, oh god, The Question in particular, I mean, definitely based off of No Face from Dick Tracy, but... A little bit more grittier and a little bit more uh, aggressive. Well, no, not more aggressive than Batman because who could be more aggressive than Batman? Why but, is it? Why is Batman still punching people? I feel like with all those gadgets that he shouldn't have to lift a finger. I think he enjoys it. I don't think he feels he needs to do it. He wants to do it. It's yeah. Honestly, you could say that about him. I'm not gonna lie. It's uh, again, he lives to be Batman. He doesn't care about being Bruce Wayne. Bruce Bruce Wayne's just the mask. Right. You know, being. You know, dressing up in that suit, taking out bad guys, you know, stopping criminals. Not at the source, you know, he's only attacking the symptoms, but still, it's all he lives for. Uh, and and anyway. people say that the Ted Cord Blue Beetle is just a cheap knockoff of Batman, and I've never seen that. Uh, Batman was never really an inventor. He hired people to develop stuff for him. Uh, Blue Beetle just happens to wear kind of the similar colors. But he's a high adventure kind of guy, where Batman's kind of a street level gritty guy. Blue Beetle's fun, yeah, and, and he's a t he's good with the team, you know. And uh, Batman's morose, and he's only with the team because he feels he has to be or something. Um, exactly, he's only a part time. He's maybe a founding member of the Justice League, but he's a part time member. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and you and I, of course, we always joke that we are the booster gold. We are team blue and gold of podcasting. I love how blue gold, uh, blue beetle, and booster gold play off each other. Oh yeah, no, they definitely do. I like how I kind of wish he made uh, in the showcase that you gave me and then I read. I kind of wish he did have like more involvement and more help because they, the way they just bounce off each other and talk was great. I mean, Cord. Ted Cord himself, yes, was the inventor, came up with everything based off of um, what he encountered with Dan Garrett, who is the reason he became Blue Beetle. He did it for uh, Dan Garrett, because Dan Garrett was the original Blue Beetle. You know, supernatural, you know, ancient Egyptian powers, you know, not, not like Jaime Reyes from space, but again, he had to improvise with, like, you know, what he had. He had access to, you know, industry. He was also very smart. He was intelligent. <clears throat> Do you and he also like and he also like improvised. Yeah, do you believe that Ted Cord is the better hero because he doesn't have the tech of the newest Blue Beetle, but he also doesn't have like the magical powers of the original Blue Beetle. I feel like the fact that he came up with his own weapons that they were non-lethal weapons and that he had to be incredibly athletic. I think in my mind makes yeah. him a better hero. Exactly. I was just about to make that argument. Again, he got himself into shape, he trained himself to fight. And, again, the way he, like, would take on characters like Alchemy, who, especially in the showcase, was just got really juiced up from all the nuclear power he absorbed. And then, uh, again, that indestructible robot. Oh, gosh, I can't remember. I keep no, forgetting his name. I, okay, so these are the notes. Now, it was fresher in my mind six months ago. This is what I've written. Okay, so first off, uh, the artwork by Paris Collins is phenomenal for 1986. It looks completely different than anything else at that time. Right. And I'm looking at some of the... Okay, so the first villain, I believe, was Fire Fist. 
who I don't even think is even really part of the DC Universe anymore. No one gives a, f a shit about him. What I like is, though, is that uh, I think the writer, uh, I think Dan Jurgens, if I remember correctly, is the writer of Booster Gold. For the life of me, I can't remember who wrote this. Does it say on the book who wrote it? I can't remember. I'm sorry, which one? The Blue Beetle. Who wrote Blue Beetle? It was Paris Collins doing the art. Who was the main writer? I think the main writer is... Let me check. Oh, gosh, there's so many credits in here. <laughs> I'm trying to read through it. Um... Oh, it's Len Wein. Uh, Len Wein? Who just passed, I think. Yeah, Len Wein. Okay. That's who it is. Who uh, a lot of people don't, you know, they don't know him for Blue Beetle, but a lot of people know him for his work with creating Wolverine and uh, Swamp Thing. Oh, gosh, yeah, and Swamp Thing. Yeah, that's so, I'm glad they brought him into the DC Universe, especially to be more involved with Justice League Dark. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the 70s, I think he was still kind of on the outskirts. There was a Batman stuff. But then when it got switched over to a Vertigo title, it kind of disappeared when it was Alan Moore. Um, they kind of moved it away into its own little thing. Um, Dr. Alchemy, as you were mentioning before, that is a Flash villain. Um, I think that Len Wein was smart enough to grab characters that already existed, whereas with Booster Gold, I think it was almost all original uh, villains. And therefore, you're just not really interested because there's no real history. Uh, what you were saying earlier about Blue and, and Gold going together, well, it wasn't until, I think, halfway through the... Uh, Blue Beetle series is when he finally joined Justice League. So it wasn't until like episode or issue 14 or 15 is when he finally got added to the team. Um, and I don't think they built that partnership up until after the Blue Beetle series was canceled. Oh, damn. Yeah, so I think... I don't was, know why they was... I don't, oh, that is a shame that it was canceled. I thought it was definitely fun to read. I mean, I just like binged on it big time. Yeah, that is a complete more, series. I, you what know. you have right there is everything they put out. Wow. I I do love how it ended, though. Like, it's kind of fucked up. Like, you know, his dad comes in and decides to take over the company. Even though his dad isn't, I'm pretty sure, wouldn't really know what to do. Even though his, like, uh, assistant slash secretary slash girlfriend, no, not secretary, his assistant uh, slash, you know, lover. Oh, gosh, I keep, what is her name again? I have no classic, idea. But, yeah, no, she, like, she, used to fight, she decides to finally, like, call his dad in to help with the company because he's always out... Uh, doing too many, running too many errands as the Blue Beetle. He's never there enough. And it, him being the CEO in particular, yeah, definitely, he, like, someone needs to do something. Yeah, he needs to hire, what's the guy in the Marvel Universe, or the uh, Batman Universe, you know, Morgan Freeman played him? Fuck. He was basically... Oh, uh, Lucius Fox. Lucius Fox. He needs his own Lucius Fox. Yes, he does. In fact, I believe he tried to um, implore... Oh, shit, what's his name again? Damn it. How the fuck do you have a Morgan Freeman in your repertoire, and I'm just discovering it now? I don't know. I decided to throw it out there as soon as you mentioned him. Andy Dufresne. <laughs> <laughs> he should hire Andy Dufresne who climb through three miles of poop and pee <laughs> and get to freedom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Takamoto. Ken Takamoto. That's who he should have hired. Except Takamoto, you know, kind of had his pride. It's like he wanted to show that he could... You know, find a job himself without having to rely on, you know, his old college friend, Ted. That, I mean, I kind of wish he did take the job. Otherwise, the company would still would have been great. But in the end, it all got leveled. And, you know, Ted just, like, tells his dad, it's like, hey, it's your company now. You <laughs> fix it. Your problem. I'm out. Fuck you guys. <laughs> uh, we do have yeah. the question show up uh, for a team-up. I think it was a three-issue yeah. team-up. And, uh, um that was a lot of fun. I really do like the question, and I need to go and find his series. Here's the thing is that the Charlton characters, for some reason, never really connected as uh, on their own. I think the question lasted the longest. Uh, Blue Beetle was the shortest. Then Captain Adam, I think, went about 50 issues, and the question went a little bit longer, I think. Um, 
but of course the question is, Vic Sage is dead, Captain Adam seems to die every other week, and Ted Cord was dead for a long time. I was severely heartbroken, but he's been brought back in various ways, uh, either through Booster Gold traveling the time stream and other stuff. It's crazy, but you know, I, you know, I was heartbroken for years. Like, I just want Ted Cord back because I'm one of those stupid fanboys who can't let shit go. No, I don't blame you. Uh, I mean, you could. I mean, he was no Jason Todd. Okay, no one's gonna. Okay, everyone's gonna mourn Ted Cord. I still can't believe they brought Jason Todd back. That's stupid. You have that comic. What did you think of it? What was it called again? Arsenal and Red Hood? Oh, yeah. Arsenal and Red Hood. I never got around to reading it. Especially with all the new stuff I picked up from that uh, uh, San Francisco. Yeah. But, yeah, no. Also, yeah. uh, yeah, That's right. The Muse. That's who uh, Question and Blue Beetle teamed up to take on. He's, like, trying to unite the gangs and take out the old mafia bosses, even though he's the son of the big uh, mafia crime boss. Yeah. That was a good storyline. I really uh, that was kind of the pivotal moment of, of it. I I do like the calculator storyline, who um, is kind of an underrated villain, who's who's completely different now. Oh, for sure. Uh, there's Kronos, who I cannot remember whose villain he started off as. Kronos. Um, I love I love time villains, the people who are screw with everything, and, and you got to somehow fix like everything. Doctor Light. Entire timeline is ruined. Doctor Light's awesome villain. Yeah. Oh gosh. Even in the Justice League, uh, Doc, the uh, Unlimited, I think. Yeah, Dr. Light was like, you know, one who went back in time, changed everything around, and the future was really fucked up until I think someone messed with his, uh, I think someone messed with his time uh, equipment, and uh, he kept repeating that argument with his wife right before he jumped into time, and when he jumps back into time, it jumps right at that spot, yet he's in a continuous loop, yet he doesn't, re- it doesn't realize he's, you know, stuck in it himself. Huh. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, you know, I got, we're, we're, guys, uh, if you're interested in other podcasts, uh, back in tunes, uh, next month in honor of the Justice League movie, we're going to be discussing the Justice League animated series. I should start watching that now because there's like, what, a hundred episodes between that and Unlimited, I think. Possibly, yeah. But I mean, the first series, uh, Justice League, it, uh, there's two, it's pretty much, uh, there's two parts to uh, each episode. Yeah. So. And each storyline that they go through. And should, I think they're, yeah. they, we can't do both. It has that same depth. It'll take yeah. too damn long. So we'll just do Justice League, and then December we'll do Justice League Unlimited? Of course, yes. Okay. I mean, because it only stays with the uh, core group of the Justice League members in Justice League, the first series. And then eventually Unlimited comes along, and it brings in everybody. Mr. Terrific, Atom, uh, Warlord ha- has an episode, which is fucking awesome. Supergirl, and a few other names. Green Arrow. Green Arrow was the first episode. Yeah, the question was in it quite a bit. The guy who played uh, the reanimator. Um, shit, I can't remember his name all of a sudden. He was in The Frighteners as a crazy uh, FBI agent. What the fuck's his name? Uh, but he plays the question. He does an excellent job doing his voice work. I'm going to have to look this up, people, because my brain doesn't work anymore. I almost said Bill Mosley, but that's not the wrong, that's not the right guy. That's coming from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, <laughs> Internet, will you please work for me? You're a pain in the oh, ass. You can... Yeah, no, it does sound familiar. I should know this. Um... There, the other, there was one original villain who was kind of significant. It was the uh, character Overthrow, um, who I thought was a pretty good, decent villain. But I don't think he um, is in the Marvel or the DC universe at all now. I, some of these characters that come along, um, they just like they're around for a little bit and they disappear. There was a character in the Spider-Man universe called Rocket Racer, and I don't think he's been used in decades. Whirlwind, I don't know where the hell that guy is. Uh, Slide, um, Blue Streak. None of these characters. There's like, short-time villains. Yeah, no, I remember Whirlwind for sure, especially in the Avengers video game for Sega. God, it's a pain in the ass. 
<laughs> Can you believe the Atari is 40 years old? The home console system is now officially 40 years old. Damn. Oh, it's Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs voices the question. Oh, okay, good. The uh, uh, Mr. Miracle shows up, who is uh, not part of the Charles universe, but he's more of the new gods, uh, Jack Kirby. Why am I telling you? You know this. You're listening to this podcast. You're fanboys. You're probably fucking like, why are you telling us we know? Mr. Miracle is... I, I, I read well, his... some people might not know. <laughs> uh, Mr. Miracle, he had his own series around the 80s, too, um, and I read most of that, and that was great. Uh, a lot of these characters kind of got reinvigorated or rebooted after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, another great one was Dr. Fate, uh, who had an excellent series, severely underrated. That was like the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and and they're, they're still in the universe. They're still used from time to time, but they're not a focus like they were 25 years ago. Yeah, no, I don't really see too much of them. What the fuck is Lobo? Actually. You seen Lobo lately? I haven't even heard anything about Lobo. He was massive oh, when I was a teenager. Oh, God, yes, especially in the Superman animated series. And then he'd show up in Justice League. Uh, he showed. Up, he did show up in an episode. Everyone thought Superman was dead, so he comes in to like try out for the Justice League. Oh man! Jason Momoa <laughs> would be man. the perfect Lobo, except they already used him for Aquaman. Oh yeah, no, that's what Jason Momoa thought he was going to be cast as. He thought he was going to be Lobo. He looks like him when he's Aquaman. He's got the same attitude. I'm not sure they did this right. I like Jason Momoa and I love Aquaman. See, here's the funny thing: is two months ago I didn't give one flying fuck about Aquaman. And then I found a graphic novel of his called Sub Diego, and I was like, this is pretty damn good. And then I read another story where him and the demon go to the bottom of the ocean where there was a hellmouth, and uh, they're, oh. raising, they're raising the dead or whatever, and I think Dead Man's in it too. And uh, that was amazing. Yeah. And then I just read like his relaunch with Jeff Jones writing called The Trench, where this ancient tribe of alien, I don't know, like they're underground alien, I'm not sure what they are, but they're cannibals, and all they do is eat and eat, and they're like human piranhas. And it's fucking horrifying, and oh, it was wow. great. Now I'm just absolutely fascinated by Aquaman. I know. I've always thought, uh, I mean, especially this rendition of Aquaman we're seeing in the Justice League live-action film, they're definitely going with more of a... Um, Surfer. Uh, the Savage. Yes, the Savage Aquaman. You know, because uh, in the 90s, I know in like the mid to late 90s, he had like, you know, the beard. He had more of this like, you know, gritty, you know, scruffy, like, you know, surf boy kind of look. But he also had a hook hand. Fucking hook hand. They're going more I'm, along I'm that. I'm hoping that he was right-handed because if it comes time to crank one out or wipe your butt, you're screwed. How did, it's just like, I mean, you, you take the harpoon off. And I know eventually he got like a fake hand and then he got a, a water hand um, and then the hook. Or, yeah. Or, you know, and then they fixed it somehow. But um, I, I actually really, I want to go back and read all the Aquaman series. I mean, maybe not the 60s stuff, but definitely like since the 80s, the relaunch. Um, I'm really excited about yeah. the character now. Yeah, I know. Me too. I, he definitely seems to be like one of the bigger highlights. I mean, you can even tell just from the trailers. I mean, he's uh, again, he's got super near super near Superman strength. You know, he's very strong, and he also has um, aqu aquatic powers as well, more than just uh, you know talking to uh, sea mammals, yeah, including and krakens and other mythological fucking beasts. He doesn't <laughs> technically talk and, to fish. What he does, and he talks about this in the Jeff Jones relaunch, is that. He manipulates their brain signals to kind of do what he wants, but he can only hold on for so long. Their their natural tendencies will override it. If they're scared, they'll bail. You know, it just depends on how much he can control the uh, brain waves. Oh, okay, cool. Gives, yeah, it gives them a push oh, in the yeah. direction that he wants. Okay, good. Yeah, it it seems a little more scientific. You know, being like the king of Atlantis and all. Yeah, and and of course, an under it's it's. Almost as it's like a telepathic 
version of uh, whales of um, humpback whales, how they communicate. Yeah, that's oh. yeah, that's fucking awesome. Okay, real quickly, we'll wrap this up. Uh, the the there's an arc in there also where he goes to Pago Island. He meets up with the Teen Titans, like the classic edition of the Teen Titans before they all went in different directions. Um, I think the series is excellent. It's much more entertaining than the Booster Gold series at that time. And uh, Showcase has uh, the complete series available. I think it's like fifteen bucks um, now. It's it's a really good deal. Sweet. I might be, hopefully I'll be able to find that next time I go to that uh, flea market I went to where I picked up all those Savage Dragon comics. The ones I showed you? Yeah, but why are I gave you the entire series? I wasn't talking about Booster Gold. I was talking about Blue Beetle. Oh, oh, no. no I think we were talking Gold? about Aquaman, but yeah, no, oh, no. I got Blue Beetle. Okay. I got Blue Beetle 2 <laughs> down below. It's It's been a really frustrating month. Oh, oh gosh. It's, a, it's practically frozen. That's why it's so blue. Okay, final, <laughs> the final thing we'll discuss real quickly is the Archie Goodwin, Walt Simonson Manhunter. Not Martian Manhunter, Manhunter, which is kind of a high adventure. It's set, it's set in the DC Universe. It's a costume hero. But this is kind of a character that has been forgotten, even though at the time it was revolutionary for its anthology way of telling a story, and sometimes it messed with time, and it was kind of sophisticated uh, compared to the rest of the DC Universe. But in uh, hindsight, seeing it now, it doesn't seem that exciting. I know it was revolutionary at the time, but now I'm just kind of like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. He definitely, uh, I, the way his costume was, it definitely seemed more cosmic and out there. Um, but he was, uh, again, he was more of an interna- uh, international espionage. Super... S- national espionage. Uh, yeah, like assassin uh, mercenary type of hero. I mean, it was definitely like really fun to read. I thought he was a little more uh, kind of witty, and you know, he did have banter with uh, some of his own. But I just liked how, uh, in the end of the first um, first segment of the special edition uh, that you sent me, I liked how like straight up that old monk that's telling the story of the Manhunter, you know, giving oh God, whatever that FBI agent uh, clues or telling the story of what happened, where he is, yet. He turned out to be the old man in, uh, in disguise. Uh, honestly, he could have just moonwalked out of there. That's how smooth he was. <laughs> and she wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> do, 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 do. Now, I have I have the collected series here, but I think this was to promote the final issue because uh, something happens to Manhunter, and there's a reason why you don't see him anymore. Um, <laughs> if that isn't obvious enough, mine doesn't end with that story. So you have the complete storyline. So you'll be able to find out what happens with the Manhunter. Um, I know they brought Manhunter back a couple times with, as you know, with different people in the same costume. Well, not that ridiculous fucking costume. It's still hard for me to believe that Assassin would have shoulder pads that goddamn huge, unless they're bullet resistant or something. And in the sweeping cape, he looks uh, ridiculous. There's seventies and sixties heroes that look so absurd because their costumes are so flamboyant. Nobody would fight with these. The shoulder pads would block your view. Doctor Strange or the stupid collar or Iron Fist. It doesn't make any sense. It's just for flair, you know. It just logically though, they're stupid costumes. Yeah, no. I mean, it's something that Freddie Mercury would have worn for <laughs> sure on stage. And his boots—they look like uh, almost Judge Dredd level bonkers. I mean, they're fucking huge. Oh, big ass combat boots. Jeez. Yeah. Good yeah. lord, those look. If anything, that looked more like a, um, like surgical pins. Like a, a surgical brace with pins, like into your leg, just yeah, to keep yeah. it steady. Oh man, that's exactly what it looked like. It looked painful. It looked like it'd be painful, like it's just drilled right into your fucking leg, so it would stay there. Ouch. 
Yeah, I like Walt Simonson's work. He did a fantastic job in the 90s with Fantastic Four. Uh, he did Thor, I think, in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, you really don't see much from him anymore. I know he and his wife were on Superman for a while. I don't know what Walt Simonson's on now. I feel like a lot of artists, I don't think it's so much that the art is no longer popular, because I can't imagine like some of the independent companies wouldn't want to grab these guys. I wonder if after decades of drawing that your eyes don't work as well, your body doesn't work as well, your hands, you know? Um, and that's why you see so many of them at the conventions. When you see an artist that's older at the convention, do not walk by and scoff, and like, oh, who's this guy? You better learn who that is, and you better pay that man respect. And if you can, pony up a couple of bucks, you know, to at least either donate or buy some art off of him, because that's a guy who, for one reason or another, cannot do sequential art, or nobody will give him the work. But he entertained you. He gave you stuff that exactly. fulfilled your mind, you know, just gave you stuff you never imagined you would see. And uh, they deserve credit for that. Exactly. I mean, and they inspired a whole new generation of artists, too. Oh, I mean, totally. Or gave jobs to those artists. I know. Like I said, respect respect your comic book artists. Uh, there is a charity one, called Hero where they take donated money and help uh, artists who have fallen on harder times. Uh, you know, if they have medical problems. Uh, the guy who created Rocket Raccoon, you know, uh, he got in a serious car accident, got hit in the head, and he has no idea he even created this stuff, and he needs help. And uh, Hero, oh, uh, let me look at the webpage real quick. Trying to, uh, where is it here? I was trying to find, I'm pretty sure it's called Hero. Hero Comic Charity. I know I'm wasting time here, people. I'm sorry. It just popped in my head. Um, the Hero Initiative actually is what it is. Um, sometimes they do projects oh, cool. where the artists will get together and do an issue and you buy it and that money goes to charity. You can donate your own stuff. Um, but yeah, it's called the Heroes Initiative, helping comic creators in need. So, uh, check that out, and, and and also I think it's nice to discover artists that were around before you discovered comic books. Oh wow! Yeah, it's uh, okay. So let's wrap this up, Jacob. Thank you for another great episode. Everybody, check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. You'll find all our episodes there, as well as our other podcasts. And Jacob, send us out. All right, as Michael always says, be excellent to each other. Namaste and good luck, my friends. All right, ready when you are, Michael.